Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? Uh, exciting. Exciting times. Exciting times we're living in. Old Aziz Ansari. The old Aziz. The old Aziz. He's quite young. <laughs> oh, God. It's already weird. I could erase this and redo it. I totally could. But why? But why? Let's let's let the show be what it is. Aziz, uh, a friend of mine for, for many years. I'm so glad we found the time to sit down and do this finally. We've been meaning to for quite a while, and it, and it turned out quite well. A couple things up top, and let's and then let's just get into this episode. A couple tour dates. Uh, what, what do we got? What do we got coming up? We got uh, Sketch Fest, February 1 and 2 in San Francisco. We're doing a live You Made It Weird on Saturday, February 2nd at Cobb's. February 21 through 23rd, I'm going to be back in Madison, Wisconsin for Comedy Club on State. Going to be with Chris Thayer that weekend. March 9th, I'm going to be in Grand Rapids, Michigan for Gilda's Laugh Fest. And then uh, in April, I'm going to be at Moon Tower. Uh, that's it. And here's, uh, we've been, do- people have been really responding uh, like crazy for the Comedy Sex God thing, which may be a book. It may be uh, a best of kind of collection of CDs from moments of the show. That's one idea that we might do like one CD about comedy, like bits and stuff, one about uh, sex and one about God. Lots of different things. We're kind of seeing what shape the uh, project takes based on the feedback we get. But if you see a moment that you think belongs on a best of CD or uh, should be in a book or, or whatever, if it's your favorite moment, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you think, if it makes you feel something uh, good that you want recorded, uh, email comedysexgod at gmail. And uh, that is the way to do it. Personal emails. Uh, some people are, are uh, sending emails to, to the uh, Comedy Sex God that are personal uh, or whatever, like, about the show. Send that to weird at nerdist.com. That's, that's my email. This is such a big project. We got some people uh, going through it and uh, kind of helping me with that. So if you want to reach me, weird at nerdist.com. If you want to reach me and be a part of the project, comedysexgod at gmail.com. That's the way to do it. Uh, okay, guys. Enjoy. <laughs> the sponsor is Amazon. You know this by now. If you want to support the show and you're going to buy something on Amazon anyway, go to Nerdist.com first, go to this episode, click on the Amazon banner, then shop like you normally would, and the proceeds go to support Katie, which is great, because she opened a, a broom closet and it was filled with brooms. I mean, hundreds of brooms, and they just cascaded all over her, and she, I should have mentioned this, she hates brooms, so we need to help Katie. So shop on Amazon through Nerdist so we can help Katie get her some ice cream or something. Anything that doesn't have anything to do with brooms, which is pretty much most things. Okay. Enjoy, guys. Enjoy. So how do you do this? Should I wear headphones? Or do you, we don't wear headphones. Just she does. When we're remote, we don't have headphones. Okay. When we're in studio, we're in your home. We should yeah. start. We should start there. We're recording, by the way. There's no. Oh, okay. There's no beginning. <laughs> First of all, thanks for having us. I yeah, thanks. Love your place. I I was here before, and I I think. Oh yeah. I'm like an old person. I want to know about. The property, like everybody else, is just enjoying it and swimming and having delicious food that you were cooking and all that stuff. But I was like, did th- did this come furnished? <laughs> like, I, I, really I sound like a, I sound like a fun like like a uh, like a dad. It's like, oh, the kids were swimming and yeah. you were cooking up food on your barbecue. <laughs> but that's um, exactly it. And I want to know about the molding. <laughs> I want to know. I, like, I, this I, painting is that yours? None, none of this. Most of the stuff is not mine. This is a friend's place, and he, he just happened to be. He's he's never here, and so I, I sublet his place when we're filming parks. I. I I stay here. Oh, because you spend yeah. your time between New York. 
Yeah, and in New York, I have another friend's place that I, I stay in there. So I, I don't have a place anymore. I've just been subletting places. I, I, I need to get a place. <laughs> You're like Reggie Watt. You have no he, doesn't, he, doesn't have a, he doesn't have an address either? I don't think he has an address. <laughs> yeah, whenever people are like, oh, how, can I get a mailing address to send you something? I'm like, oh, no, no. It's a headache. <laughs> but this place... I don't think there's ever been a more proper use of dope. It's a dope place. Oh, I'm aggressively. Oh, oh thanks. I, I like it. It's very nice. Yeah. It's gorgeous. We put our hand, sorry, but we put our hand in the pool. We got here a little before you. Is it warm? It's warm as shit. Oh, we should go swimming. I would, I would do this podcast in the in water. The, in the pool. That's, that's, that would be a good podcast. Oh in my the pool God. podcast. See, if you needed more exposure, I would suggest you do Aziz in the pool. Aziz in the pool. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I used to live in a, um, kind of like a, a, Another place not far from here, and then I was just like, Man, I, I, "Oh, I, I know that place." Kind of, Me yeah. and Chelsea would w- go on our night walks, and right we would down the street you. from Chelsea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We would yeah. See you, and um, uh, yeah, I liked it, but I was like, I, I, I don't know. I, I would always be bummed whenever I came back to LA. Like I, I liked New York so much, and I would, I would just be kind of like bummed when I had to live in LA. And sure. I was like, "Man, I have to live in LA a lot." Because I, I, we shoot the show here, so I don't want to be bummed when I'm home. So. You said that's what you said. You said this is the first place that you're like excited to come home. Yeah, someone was telling me like. Oh, like if there's anything to spend your money on, spend it on where you live. You, sure. If you come home and you're excited to be in your home, like then that, that's that's worth. In worth the money. ten minutes we were here and you weren't here, I was excited to be in your home. <laughs> like, like Alien was on. Oh yeah, I love Alien. Got a sweet on. couch. I love Alien. Um, we were trying to figure out if your record did someone were the records those are all here? my records. Those are your records. I, I I really like, like vinyl. So feeling really. I uh, I brought all uh, those are all those records are mine. Yeah. The, I told him MF Doom was yours. I thought MF Doom was yours as well. And oh, Katie was Mad Villain? that I knew what MF Doom was. Well, it's Mad Villain. It's not MF Doom. But it's <laughs> okay. Mad Villain is, yeah, I've been out Ma- Mad Villain is MF Doom and uh, Mad Lib. But, oh, I yeah. see. Like Blackstar is Talib. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, oh. Sure. I'm stunned. You know Blackstar. <laughs> Don't worry about it. One, two, three, most deaf and Talib. Uh, I, know, I know very little about hip-hop, but the, the, the hip-hop that I like, I really like a lot. Yeah. Do you have Blackstar? I do. I had the I had that Black Star album on vinyl. Actually, one of the problems I have with now, I, I'm not talking about the MF Doom album that you have. Some some hip hop is too catchy. Mm-hmm. It'll stay in my head and it'll lodge in my brain, and then I'll just vow to never listen to that album. Like there's one of the that song that I just sang to you from Black Star, the one two three mm-hmm. most definitely. It will get. Then there's the remix after it where they go whoa 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 whoa. 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 That song was in my head for about a month. <laughs> and it's I, more I, more serious. One two three. That's kind of interesting. They did that. Like there's like a like an upbeat version, and then it's like a sad version of the yeah. Song. Look. It's when you're coming down. Yeah. But that that dictates a lot of what I'm able to listen to. I like uh <clears throat> I can't listen to MF Doom because I find it too catchy. I think it's really fun. He's funny. See, that stuff is like not the catchy stuff to me like the what you're describing is what I have with those songs like like that I I heard it on the radio for the first time in a long time uh yesterday, but that song that's like um Cream on the inside, clean on the outside. Ice cream paint job. Ice cream paint job. Oh Jesus! And like, and it's like that. That's I don't even so know that. Dumb, and it just gets stuck in my head. I think that's people, like a old. That was, that was like a song that was like big, like a few years ago. Really? But I don't know what happened to that guy. Like, I don't know if he still makes music. But I remember that song, and it was like huge. It was like all over the radio, like, and then it just kind of goes away. Uncle Cracker, follow me. I can guarantee that, well, that song. Well, that's like a what was like alternative rock song, right? But that was very very popular. Yeah. And I very, guess very it, catchy too. Like uh, you know, um, 
Like, uh, I'm Mike Jones. Like, that song, yeah, like, sure. what happened to Mike Jones? Is he still what making music? What did happen to Mike Jones? Is he still living off the uh, money from um, back then? He's or? not living off the land, I'll tell you that right now. I think yeah. people confuse, uh, sometimes confuse good music with very catchy music. Like, it gets lodged in your brain, and you're like, it must be good. I'm still thinking about it. But it, does that mean it, does that, it that doesn't necessarily mean it's not good, though. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that Uncle Cracker song is good. I mean, I'm not saying Well, it's that not. I don't think is good. But I think, like, I would say, like, you know, Bands That Make Her Dance is, like, very catchy. Right. And I think it's, it's like, a fun song to listen to. You had a girlfriend that looked like a boyfriend. That one? What is that? That I had in February of last year. It's not comforting. You know this one. Somebody told me you had a boyfriend. Oh, like oh, a girlfriend. Oh, oh. That, that I had in February that, of last year. That's uh, The Killers. The Killers, yeah. Yeah. Incredibly catchy. Yeah. I, and also a decent song. That's a decent song. I, I don't really listen to their stuff much, but I mean... I, it's all right. Can I, I say one thing about... for what it is. <laughs> <laughs> Can I tell you one thing I love about your house? Is you have an overhead shower head. Like it's an over shower head. Mm-hmm. Which is the, one of the goals of my life, is to have the oh, overhead shower. As a tall gentleman, oh. every shower is like uh, Bill Murray in Lost in Translation for me. You know, it's like hitting, uh, hitting nipple area. Uh, and I'm like, imagine. But my father, when I go home to Boston, has one of those. Has an overhead. And I, I shower for like three days. Were you like looking at my shower and stuff while well, I was Well, I use the bathroom. And okay. it's right at eye level for me, oh, that shower. All right. <laughs> Although I was tempted to look at like what – I'm very interested in what uh, shower products people use. Uh-huh. Um, and I did happen to notice that you uh, had a pretty decent exfoliating scrub happening. Wait, you went in the uh, you went in that bathroom there, right? Do you have a different bathroom that the, you use? My bathroom is the one in the in the bedroom. Oh, so I didn't see. So anything. you didn't see any of my stuff. I don't even know what's in there. <laughs> that is so gangster. That's amazing. <laughs> You're not sure what's stocked in your guest bathroom. I, I don't know. Well, there was very little. Yeah, I was like, he's a very minimal. I, I believe me, I wasn't trying to judge or snoop, but my, I saw my friend it. was staying here and and he took a shower and, and it smelled very nice. So it it must be uh, it must. Be nice stuff. It's decent stuff. It's like a grapefruit exfoliating. Maybe I should just shower in there. Let me ask. Stuff. Can I ask you a couple questions? Sure. Soap. What kind of soap are we using? What kind of soap? Um, I'm, I, very, uh, I'm, I'm not even asking this to be cute. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I am like, interested in what soaps people I'm, use. I'm, I, uh, I, God, man, I'm going to say, is like it not you? Don't have, oh, no, no. Um, can, I, can I interject and, and stop you before you say the thing that makes you. When I watch comedians in cars getting coffee, do you watch uh-huh. that? All, do you see it? It's Seinfeld I series. I saw a little bit of it. I didn't really watch all of them or anything. The point is, is like Ricky Gervais, Alec Baldwin, and all these guys, they go out to lunch and mm-hmm. stuff. And all I care about is like, what, what does Alec Baldwin eat when he goes to a diner? Like, it's, it's interesting to me. Yeah. And that's the stuff that they like seem to edit out. And I'm like, no, I want to know. I'd love to know what soap Alec Baldwin, not even celebrities, just everybody. I want to know what people are doing. Um, what soap? Uh, so it's you know, like an Someone got me a gift, like a Kiehl's gift thing one time. Yep. And, um, uh, there was like a Kiehl's like uh, uh, it's called a Kiehl's like uh, pour homme or something like that uh-huh. and it smelled so good and yes. like so from that gift I just kept uh, I kept using that soap that's the way to do it yeah. so it was so a fragrance choice it just smells really good yeah smell is super important we yeah. were just talking about this is kind also of- it's like it's a little more expensive but I feel like you know, soap, you put it on your body like and every day. And your skin like, absorbs on. it. Yeah. Chelsea and I were just talking about uh, about um, how important it is to not use shitty soaps and stuff because it's going into your skin and like cancer rates and all this stuff is going up. Mm-hmm. And detergent too. I don't know. Th- this, is, this, this is interesting to me, but I can feel people being disinterested. God, how many people are just like, why did I download this? I don't know, but we'll wrap it up so oh, fast. Aziz's soap. Oh. <laughs> Aziz's... 
Pete's really likes his house. It's not even his fucking house. <laughs> it isn't. Is that your hoverboard? I, that is. I got that. See, hoverboard. okay. That's like a back, I like. I love Back to the Future, and this company like made these like hoverboards that look just like the hoverboard. So I, I, I like thought maybe it was from the movie. It's not. No, yeah, uh, no. I did see that before at like Comic Con or something. They had like the actual one. The like, actual was, one. I should just, I should just buy that. Yeah, it would be pretty sweet. Yeah, it's but I'll just tell people it's that one. Why not? I don't know. It's the one thing in here that is like uh, that is like uh, clearly yours. Really? I'm not sure if you love REM. You got REM. Are those yours? No. No, nope, that's your friend. But that hoverboard, nobody thought that wasn't you. Really? The, I'll tell you what. The hoverboard's mine. And the other thing people um, always point out is that dinosaur. That's mine. The dinosaur. Yeah, that's, I would. I would have bet that that is yours. All right. For certain. I was going to say if you use uh, if you use a harsh detergent, you're laying in that. Stuff what detergent? All day. What detergent do you use? I I just something from Whole Foods, something that's not. Uh, yeah, I use fake. like one of those like oh this is the, the one that sounds Seventh like the most like, natural oh no right none of the bad stuff it's all natural it's right, just right. it's just made from but you're stuff. laying in it whatever it is you're laying in that stuff all night yeah, Which, okay you want to talk about soap and your home and then your bed too mm-hmm. your bed is so so super important I, I don't know I'm interested in this stuff yeah no I I believe in uh, taking care of yourself. <laughs> I'll never like uh, yeah. Tell me, we were talking about going home for Christmas, and mm-hmm. I was very interested in to hear what you were going to say about this. I hate that Thanksgiving and Christmas are so close because I go home for like four days for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And then if I go home again and I do for Christmas, I find that I have the same conversations again. Not enough stuff has happened. Nothing's. Where does your family live? They live in Arlington, Massachusetts. Oh, is that pretty boring there? It's so boring. Yeah. And my, I, yeah. Mm, you mm. were saying you go to New York or you want to go to New York because what I, I try to get my family to uh, uh, come to wherever I am. So, uh, but Thanksgiving, I Thanksgiving I usually go back because like we have a uh, a bunch of my relatives. We all kind of live around in the South and like North Carolina and Georgia and South Carolina. So we all kind of meet at one house, either my uncle's place in Atlanta or where I live and uh, where my family moved to, like near Charlotte. Uh-huh. Um, so Thanksgiving, I always go home, but then Christmas, I'm going back to New York, and I just told my parents to come to New York, just because like there's stuff to do there, you know. And, and they will, I go, yeah. And they like it, yeah. They, you know, we'll, like go see like a play or a basketball game or something like that. I try to have fun stuff for them to do, and yeah. I don't How know, old are they? My parents, they're like in the fifties and sixties. My okay. dad's in the sixties. My mom's because my parents are in their seventies. It's getting to that age where like even they the, can't do stuff. No even more. the thing they give a shit about, they don't give a shit about. Yeah, there's, yeah. It's like too much of a hassle. <laughs> I was like, I got us tickets to this game. Ah, or something. They'd be like, Pete, do we have to go? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. It's too old. It's too. <laughs> Is that what your mom sounds like? <laughs> that was a very good Irina. That was a great Irina. They're they're a vibrant seventy and seventy whatever. But, my parents uh, are pretty. They they got all. They still got a spunk. Yeah. They Light got some energy. Yeah, they're ready to do stuff. They're, they're ready to do stuff. They're up early. Like Really? Yeah. If I brought my parents to New York, I don't think they would like it. They, they do New York badly. They'll mm-hmm. go see, like, Wicked. And they'll, yeah. they'll buy tickets day of for $400 oh, a no. I'm like, what are we doing? And we'll go and we'll just hate it. <laughs> it's just like, we're, I, we can be, like, a bubbly people, but we can also be pretty critical to Holmes's and just like, what was that? And it's like, I, what are we doing? I sent my parents to um, Book of Mormon and they enjoyed it. I loved Book of Mormon. Did yeah. you see it? Yeah, that was great. I thought it was so fucking phenomenal. I loved it so, so much. And and it's often those things that are built up in your mind. You're like, there's no way this is going to be good. There's yeah. no way. But I, what I was going to say about going home to Boston, the trick is, and I was just talking to Gary Goleman about this because we were home doing shows together. Mm-hmm. If I book shows, then it's okay to be home. Like stand-up, 
forces this social element. You go out and you see like-minded people. You see other comedians. You see people you know from around the country that all like have parents in Boston and stuff. So you have this social time, and then you do the show. Wait, so a group of you guys do a show together? No, it's just like we'll do the comedy studio in Harvard Square and stuff, mm-hmm. and like we all meet there. It just kind of happens. And then suddenly it's not just Arlington where all there is to do is like walk. Like I'll go on like long walks like an old person. But if I book a show, my parents go to bed at like eight. Oh, wow. And you duck out, you do a show. And that makes lunch the next day with my parents so much more tolerable because I I got my medicine a little bit. Does does stand-up calm you down like that? Does it enable you to – like if you go home and you do shows, is it a better trip home? Or I mean, where my parents live, there's no place to do a show. Because, I mean, I guess they live a little bit near Charlotte. I could do that, but it's just not worth it. But what about New York? I'm assuming that's one of the benefits. Like if you wanted oh, to do a yeah. spot. Uh, yeah, I mean, New York, it's great. There's so many spots to do. I mean, I usually do more, way more stand-up in New York than I do in L.A. Because, you know, in L.A., we're filming parks and stuff, so it's kind of... You know, you film all day. It's kind of hard to be like, all right, let me come home, drop my stuff off, and then head out well, to the comedy clubs days. all night. They're long days. They can be. I mean, Parks is like such a uh, such a plum gig. It's it's not that hard a schedule, but um, yeah, yeah. But in New York, it's like, oh, I'm just gonna hang out during the day and at night I'll go do a bunch of sets. And right. there's just like, there's just more clubs that like you can uh, you can uh, in New York I'd like Tuesday at like twelve thirty in the morning. Like I live like a couple of blocks away from the comedy cellar, so it's like right. okay. It's Tuesday, twelve thirty in the morning. I'm not doing anything. Oh, I'll just go drop in at the cellar, and you can just drop in, like, and yeah. just work on stuff. You we know? call that living the dream. That's, that's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. You told me something really. It's funny, man, because we haven't hung out too too much, but every time we do talk, I, I get these really good pull quotes from you oh. that have affected my life in a good oh, way. Wow. It's really true. One of them was the cellar always terrified me. Yeah, and I remember back in like two thousand. Cellars and it's isn't it probably the most intimidating. Yeah. Club of, uh, of make, New York. I don't know if they make a point to be that scary, but they they are. You mean uh, in what regard? Like the every um, regard. In every you no, know, I would agree with that. Booked, yeah, the, the way that the comics hang out and break yes. balls it's, and all it's, that stuff. Yeah, see, it's you know, it's a tight knit group of people. Yes. that are the comics getting in there. It's not like I remember when I was starting out in New York. Like the comic strip had like an audition, and you I remember could, this. Like a, a, you, anyone could show up. And you get a number, and it corresponds to a certain Monday. Yes. And so you'd know someone would watch you. Yes. And I like that because I was like, oh, I just like, like uh, that, okay, if you're good, someone will watch you. That person will see you, and then you'll go in front of the person, the guy that, like, right. books the show. Back right. then, it was this guy named Lucian Hold who right. passed away. But uh, he always made it a point to keep that Monday thing open so anyone could just – do it, and it wasn't like you had to do some, like give someone a tape or any of that stuff. Like, and you never know if people are going to watch the tape. It was like a, like a, a very pure thing Live of like thing. you did it. He's there. If they liked it, Lucian would watch you, and then Lucian would pass you. Right. But the seller, there was never anything like that. It was like, oh, like three of these guys have to recommend you or something. Yeah. I don't know how it works, but I, yeah. I, I just eventually just went up for the woman that uh, books the show, Esty, uh, and she passed me a long time ago. But uh, yeah, and then when I moved. Um, I, I started doing it like that, like before I came for parks, but then when I've come back now, I, I've been doing it all the time to like work on stuff. It's so funny. Cause I remember, this is the time in New York that we knew each other. And I remember, 
I remember two things. I remember th- knowing that Tom McCaffrey had done Premium Blend was like mind blowing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I got so <laughs> nervous talking to him because he had done Premium Blend. Wait, you know? when did you first move to New York? I'm trying to place. Two, three, I think it was 2004. So that was like before I moved to LA and stuff. You were in New York for a few years before I. Uh, we were there. in New York at the same time. Yeah, for a while. Yeah. And I remember uh, seeing you and knowing that you had been passed. I hate the term passed. It's so, I, I hate it so much. I have this reaction to saying it. It's so gross. But anyway, I remember because people were like, where you pass? Like that status. Yeah. It's like asking someone what they drive or something. It's like, what do you drive? It's like, I'm at the comic strip. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of weird. But that also might just be me. But I remember uh, having that same reverence towards you because you were passed and went up at the comic strip, like you were saying. Mm -hmm. And it was like comic strip late night or was it like regular nights? And he was like, no, he got in. He was like a big deal. (laughs) And then you did The Cellar. This would have this would have been later, and if I'm remembering it correctly, you had just been on the hot list for Rolling Stone, which I remember seeing because I subscribed to Rolling Stone. And I was mm-hmm. like, "Holy shit, Aziz!" And then, then it got even bigger. And then I, you're like a cool, you're a cool customer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry to be so bald, but like, you are. And even back then. I don't know, remember how young you were, but you said something very profound that I'm happy to reshare on the podcast. I, I said a, this back then? This is, you said this back in New oh, York. Wow. I said, yeah, and it stuck with me. You said a couple, uh, we'll get to, like, I hope I remember some of them. Yeah, I have them written down. Um, one of them was, I was like, you're doing the cellar. And the cellar was so scary. I used to bark on the corner. For a Boston of, Comedy Club? Uh, the Boston, I was on McDougal and 3rd. Yeah, yeah. And I'd stand there just listening to uh, Taking Back Sunday. No, not Taking Back Sunday. It doesn't matter who I was listening to. I'm handing out flyers, and I would look at like Dove and Godfrey going into the cellar, and I was like, sure. what? one day, one day. Yeah. And then you got in, and that was a big deal. And I, I talked to you about it. I was like, um, how, first of all, I asked an annoying question. I was like, how did you get that? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is just annoying. I actually have another annoying thing that I did do that I'd love to. I would, lo- I would, love, I would love to air out. I, would, I, yeah, think, I think it might be something between isn't us. Isn't that great? Like when you... No, there's... I don't I'm think there's nothing with, I remember or hold any ill will because I have no... I know. I, and you've never made me think that Isn't that so fascinating like, to like, talk to people like years later yeah. and like, ask them, like, hey, so what happened... Yeah. With that thing, <laughs> now that there's uh, years of space, yeah. I can finally ask you this thing. It's like it's like our our friendship is this house, and there are these doors, and I'd love to be like, remember this room? You know what I mean? And this 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 one was valuable. So you asked me how I did it. And first then, of all, I said how you did it, and you mm-hmm. said I think it had to do with, because remember the seller has that whiteboard where they write your credits. So it's yeah. like you didn't have the no one could go up if you didn't have credits. There had to be something there. You know what I mean? I remember thinking that sometimes it'd be more creative. You're like, what is that? That doesn't sound like a real thing. But you, I said how, and you were like, well, I think it's that Rolling Stone thing, which was gracious of you instead of just being like, fuck you, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm funny, yeah, and, yeah. I, and they like me. But then I was like, our, I, I don't know how I uh, phrased it. I hope um, casually. But I was like, it, does it intimidate you? Are you afraid of going up at the cellar? And the, this is the thing I wrote down. And I've thought this hundreds of times. You go, it's just jokes in front of people, man. That's what you said. <laughs> it, it really minimized it. And since then, I've had shows where I was like afraid of people who were there, the venue, the booker, the whoever, talent scouts. And I was like, it's just jokes in front of people. That's been one of those things, like a little uh, in my back pocket trick to like calm myself down. It's not some fancy place. It's not some magical place. It's not some scary place unless you let it be that. The, the, and you yeah. found a way to relieve the tension. I mean, when I'm in New York, like working on new stuff, it's like I'll do like any show that's like just a crowd of people because ultimately you're just trying to find a crowd of people to listen to what you're saying and see if it has any kind right. of resonance. 
Um, but uh, yeah, the cellar is kind of like a fun, a particularly fun place to do it because it's like got a good atmosphere and it's like kind of like the I think the funnest club to do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still do UCB and all those other places. Too, sure, but it's because you're just trying to find a group of people. But but now that you're like now that we're at this level, we've both been doing it over ten years. Mm-hmm. Now the cellar sounds like a fun place to go up. The problem is, is the cellar is that thing that like a Letterman spot or a Comedy Central special or an HBO special. It sounds so scary until you kind of are funny enough and have enough stuff to do it. Now, popping in the cellar and knowing there's 30 things you could open with or or, or not even worry about what you're going to open with because you're like comfortable in your own performance skin. Yeah, I mean, but also it's like whenever you first do a place like that, you're kind of like hoping you get to come back, you know? So that's why it is a little bit more intimidating. You kind of have to like... yeah. Do like you have to kill. You have to bring it. You have yeah, to kill you have to bring it. You're getting spots. Like right now, it's like I don't like really. I don't like calling for spots. They just let me drop in whenever. Right. right. So it's almost like oh, like if I do like a killer set, I'm almost like, damn it. Like I'm just like not trying enough new stuff or not taking enough risks. Right. Like, you know, it's like don't be afraid to let 80 people hate you. So it's so thousands funny. of people will like you more whenever you have stronger material on it. Yeah. Uh, on tour. Oh my god. That's a huge statement right there. I, I've just been doing that, too. Like I told you, I've been touring a lot more than I normally have been. And then you're killing with the stuff that, you've, that I just recorded for my hour. Mm-hmm. So that's retired. And I'm killing, and I'm disappointed with myself because I'm like, you should stop this. You need to make yeah. the next thing that's going to kill. Like you're doing yourself a disservice. You're performing and doing well for this crowd, but like really, you'd agree with that? You know what I mean? Just comics. I mean, everybody, at a, you're just everyone... Me, you, Chris Rock, whoever, everyone is just trying to write jokes at work. And they're as good as their last bit. They're as good that's as their... all it is. That's all that's all that's all doing stand up is and that's kind of the beauty of it is right. like that's all you're It's a meritocracy. To yeah. At at a certain point it's just like, okay, they're excited the disease is there and then and then they're after thirty seconds it's like I hope this bit is good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, God, I, the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen, and I've said this before in other interviews and stuff, is like when I first started out, um, I saw Chris Rock dropping at the cellar and just like, bomb, like he didn't care. That's and right. It's like, wow, that's so cool. Like, you know, and of course there's like people that like left and like, oh yeah, man, he sucks. Like, right. And it's like, all right, well, <laughs> that guy's dumb anyway. Like he doesn't understand the process right. of, of, right. of uh, writing stand-up. So who cares if he thinks uh, someone sucks? But yeah. But when, and when I drop in now, like, you know, I'll do like I do like one joke that I know works really well to kind of get a gauge of like right how where the laughs are falling, you right. know. But even that, because it, it, if it's you kind of weird, because like the first joke, they're like so excited, they're like, yeah. oh, like you know, here I, we go. They 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 want you to be as funny as they right. hope. So I don't know. There's no real way to do it. it, it even that's kind of maybe it's kind of unnecessary because I because I when I was last in New York, I. Uh, Chris was dropping in a lot too, and and he just doesn't even he doesn't really even do like a, a, a like a, a like a like a tried and true thing up top to right. like win them and over. I, I think even in this conversation, I've kind of figured out why it's because like it doesn't really matter. Like if you do a tried and true one, yeah, they're gonna laugh really loud because it's the first thing, and they're excited and they want it to be funny. Yeah. So you might as well not even do it. Yeah. You know, that's what's striking me is, is the real progress at this level is to is to see the beauty in the in the bomb in being like, yeah, this is how not this is how the sausage is made, but this is the beautiful struggle. If you're I, I, someone I heard uh, one time I had a conversation with uh, 
with Dave Chappelle, and he said something that kind of stuck with me. Like he said, like, uh, <laughs> he said that. no, he, he said, uh, he said, be comfortable with silence. Mm-hmm. And you, when you look at the guys that are like fucking so good, you look at like Chris Rock, or you watch like a tell, like. Does he like? Have you seen Attell like look uncomfortable with like silence or people right. not laughing at his stuff? Right. Like, no, he doesn't. He, he like just so comfortable yeah. with silence. Yeah, because the the la- that tension that that silence is building, if there is some, will only make the laugh that's coming bigger. Yeah. But I kind of like the idea of putting one joke out there because if you do this, ha- this always happens when you're doing a bit. You kind of get a sense of the show is going to do how it's going to go because you do a bit that normally destroys and, and if see, it only yeah. does okay then you lower your expectations appropriately yes. yes you're like then I can't expect this new thing to destroy True. yeah but it's weird I love that adrenaline of a new bit I, and that's what we try and hold on to when you have a new bit you write it and you're that's so excited that's the most exciting thing when you have like a new bit that's like really killing you're really yeah. excited that's, I, I, when I write a new bit this is going to sound dramatic because it is I write a new bit and especially if I've done it a couple times and it works Light, all of life is better. I don't want to say that all my happiness hinges on this, but it's one factor of my happiness is knowing that I have a new bit that I'm excited to do again and again and see where it's going. It's like having a, you know, it's like, I'm sure it's like a musician has a new song they're really excited exactly. about. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes me, I remember having a feeling of like, I don't want to die because I want to keep doing this bit. Not that I want to die when I don't have a new bit, but there's this urgency. Like, I, I got to get to the show. I got to see how, you know, tomatoes versus tomatoes is going to do or whatever. Yeah. It's such a silly thing. But it's this little folded up square of happiness, your set list in your pocket. I love before a show when I'm looking at my set list and I see that I have a couple bits. I'm like, oh, these are new and they work. Those are the ones that are the best. When they're Ooh. new ones that are working really well. Yes. The worst is, though, when you think you have one of those, and you're like, oh, yes. And then you're like, let's do this. And then it's kind of muted, and you're like, no, I thought I had one. You're watching it slip away. Chelsea, see, I sometimes think that you and I are pretty similar in in our brains. Here's one reason why. I say things to Chelsea all the time, and she's like, she'll roll her eyes, you know, how she does. She doesn't really hate it, I don't think. And then she'll say, you should hang out with Aziz. That's something he would say. And really? I'll, I'll give you the example. Of what okay. I, well, you know how Ch- Chelsea rolls her eyes at everything, so it's not like she it's a bad thing. She never rolls her eyes at me. I, I don't like people rolling their eyes. I find uh, that very, very rude. Well, it's the sign of contempt. It's the number one signal that your <laughs> so relationship dismissive. is going to end. She, she might not literally roll her eyes. But okay. She, um, well, yeah, tell me these comments, and then I can imagine how she would react. Yeah. She would be hilarious. The, the reason why I love Chelsea so much is that she uh, keeps me in check because, like, I have a pretty a pretty good ego. I'm also very anxious and very sensitive, but then I also have this like weird ego side of me that's like, this is this is amazing. This bit's gonna kill. And that's what I said to her. I said I had this new bit that I was working on, and I said it's it's gonna be massive. I was like, when it's done, it's gonna be a killer. And she, that's, she was like, that's something Aziz would say. Really? No, I never speak like that. Really? She said... No, I'd be too like, oh, I'd, I'd, God. If, well, the, let me the, find the... We have so much of this like, oh, like uh, the humble brag and all that kind of nonsense. Sure. Like, I never... I wouldn't... I mean, I don't say stuff like that anyway, but like, I, I don't know. Maybe I would say like... Uh, Oh, I'm, I'm really excited about this bit. I hope it. I hope it'll turn into something big. But isn't there a part of you that when you're working on a bit, you're like, "That's gonna be maybe huge. in my head," but I wouldn't say it out really? loud. Really? Like, oh, this bit's gonna be massive. I say that shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can see Chelsea rolling her eyes at those comments. <laughs> I'll be exposed on this. I'll be the whipping boy. That's how I feel sometimes when I'm working on something. 
I, I call them shotgun bits. There's bits that you, you're firing little little blasts, and then there's ones that you just hit the entire audience with one huge blast all up top. Yeah. All, it's packed. It's like a bomb going off. Yeah, yeah. And then it's funny that a bomb is bad. But, uh, I'll, yeah, you're right. That's why, that's why no, I like No, but I know what you mean. Like that, you know, you have these bits that I, I, I guess I would sometimes call them like monster bits that kind yeah. of like they anchor your set. So right. if you're talking about – so like in the tour I've been doing like – you know, I'll you know I'll talk about babies for a while, and there has to be like strong jokes for all that stuff. But then at the end, you have like kind of a the monster bit thing. that kind of you know really sends it home. And then you move on to the next topic. And right. then you know the way you build a set is you have those um, chunks, and then at the end you have to have like a really big right. monster. And then you know now like with when you tour theaters and stuff, like people kind of want you to do an encore, and for the encore you kind of have to save. One like thing. really big bits in your back pocket, right? And then you don't even know if you like you know you're kind of counting on them to ask for an encore. Yeah, otherwise they don't even hear like the really big bits. Uh, um, <laughs> that's hilarious. So, yeah. Has so. it ever happened that you got up and they didn't? They have to. Um. Uh. There's been like maybe like uh, I think like college shows and stuff where they didn't realize that you could you do could a- do an encore <laughs> yeah. type thing, but usually people, yeah. That's really funny. That's a really yeah. funny idea that you're. But bad. that was a thing uh, uh, Louis talked to me about. He was uh, he said like, you know, he would save he would save his real closer for the encore. So then you would not really see the closer until you see the encore. So you know you, you right because then people would be like, oh, that was a great show. And then you come back and you do an even bigger joke and they're yeah. like, oh, wow, amazing. That's so funny. But this tour, I I kind of. Everything I talked about on the tour I'm doing now, the Buried Alive show, it's you know, it's it's really three things. I talk about babies, how I'd be scared to have a baby, how I'd be scared to get married, and just like where do you meet someone? How do you meet someone yeah. you want to do this stuff with? And then the other stuff is kind of it doesn't have to do with those things, so it's just kind of a separate. It's just like a more the other two things. The, the I, I tell some story about meeting the president and some some other thing. So they're just like. Um, topically different anyway. Sure. So, it, so it's yeah, kind of like I, a separate I, I saw thing. that. Was that yeah. what I saw at Bonnaroo? Yeah, that's the show you saw at Bonnaroo. Did I do that? I don't know if I did the encore at Bonnaroo because I think I, I had to keep it tighter. I may have done it. I don't know. Is Seal the encore? I do Seal. I, I tell a story about uh, performing the benefit with Seal and, and, and the Obama thing. Yeah. Yeah, you did both of those. Oh, okay. It was a tremendous set. I was, oh, thanks. I, was, I, I don't want to be off-putting, but I was really proud. I was so oh. proud to, oh, well, to know you. It was amazing. Oh, it was very sweet of you You to really say. put uh, a show on. Oh. And, you know... We don't watch each other enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, then, you know, I remember you watched that, and I was like very flattered that uh, oh, you watched. Sweet, yeah. yeah, I mean, most comedians don't watch a lot of stand up, and I don't know. I don't blame people for it. You know, you know I don't want to pollute my brain too much. You know, like that's part of yeah, it. Yeah, you accidentally kind of can pick things up, or it's happened too many times. I'm a, I'm pretty absorptive, and like I'll just yeah. start saying something, and uh, and I'm like, oops, not not necessarily material, but like a perspective or something. And it's happened with material when I was first starting. I was like, oh, I got to be careful. Watching other people, yeah. But but you you were you were tremendous. I would love to. I would love. I want to talk about relationships very badly. Uh, but you did. You put. To, it was like it was like. There's all this expectation, right? Everybody's there, really juiced and jazzed to see you. You're selling out these big places, and people are exciting. And to put on a, a show that you don't really have to, you know what I mean? I, I saw. But you do if you want to keep doing it. Yes, that's. It. Fucking, it's like you could be doing the Fool Me Once tour. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like if they only came come and out. I just did like jokes that you saw on like right. the other specials. You'd be like, oh. I mean, some people would still have a good time, I think. I think some people want to see that stuff, but 
if you come out and do like I think the show I'm doing now is probably my best one I've done. I think it's better than the other two specials. So I think if you come to see me on tour and you see my other yes. stuff, you're like, oh wow, this is like way different. I, I really s- made an effort to make this one way different because I just started. I don't know. I just hate like reading articles and stuff where people kind of try to peg you down for what you do. Like, oh, this is right. what he does. Right. So it's like, well, I'm going to do something totally different. Because that's why we got into this in the first place. To whatever we want to say is the show. So you're showing yeah. like, whatever but you But I just think in general, like any kind of thing, like whether you're a musician or anything, like I think it's annoying if, if, for people to kind of just say like, oh, this is what they do. Like I was reading this article about this um, chef and he said like, oh, um, People would write articles about him, and they would just say like, "Oh, his thing is like he would do very beautiful plating. Like he would, his plating is very beautiful." Mm-hmm. And then he was like, "Fuck you! That's not like what I'm trying to do." And then he just like aggressively hmm. made things that just looked horrible, hmm. but tasted delicious. But like, look, were presented like just like yes. horribly and just looked kind of gross. But they were really good, right? Because he didn't want to be defined that way. Right. So I felt that same way. Like you know. So that's why this this tour. There's nothing about my cousin Harris. There's nothing. It's nothing about rappers or anything. It's like, kind of. You know, it is like music. It, it's like you kind of have to. You kind of have to. Um, you know, like change what you do, but still kind of maintain some essence. But kind right. of evolve a little bit right. and not repeat yourself, but still kind of keep a certain thing about you that is what kind of propelled you in the first place. That's Absolutely. Weird. But if you're just kind of, if you're doing it, that'll always kind it's of It's still weird. coming through that mouthpiece of your character. Yeah, it's just like, you know, when people are like, oh, why doesn't, like, uh, you know, as you kind of put together these hours of material, like putting together an hour of comedy, it's a lot of stuff. An hour is a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's that's similar amount of time as like a rock record or something. Mm-hmm. So you see like how when someone asks a band, like, why don't you just do a thing like your debut album? You know, why don't you just do that again? Right. Like, as I've been putting this stuff together, writing, you realize why. It's like, because you just don't want to do it again. Right. You've already done it. It's not exciting. It's not exciting. It's It's more fun to kind of change. And, like, you become a... Like, I'm a way different person than I am than when I wrote the first stuff. Even, like, now, like, I've started to... I haven't finished the Buried Alive tour, but while I've been in New York, I've kind of just started to slowly start writing the next one. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, a lot of my stand-up is, like that I've been writing recently is like pretty personal and like it's kind of like really what I'm going through at the moment so the stuff I've been writing now is more of the moment than the stuff that I'm touring in the buried alive thing like I'm mm-hmm. not thinking as much about babies marriage and all that stuff mm-hmm. so it's interesting how you know what stand up for me it's like oh when the newest stuff is kind of the most emotionally relevant to right. me at the moment, you know? Right. Does that make sense? Of course. That's, that goes back to what we were saying about having the new bit on the list that you're so excited about. Because that's probably the one that's in your... I mean, how do you write your stuff? Like, what do you do? Do you sit down and, like, write things down, or do you just kind of... Things pop in your head and you write it on your phone or something? Or? I, it's, it's stuff that I say in life, and then I'll go, that's a bit. Like, I, I was talking about... I, it's funny, I'm writing a thing about uh, marriage currently, and I was just talking to somebody about, they were telling me that their grandparents were 14 and 13 when they got married or something. They're great-grandparents. Oh, they're 14 and 13, wow. And I was like, holy shit, they were robbing the cradle. But they're both in the cradle and they're fucking, is what I said. Mm-hmm. And, then I was, and then I was like, this was just talking. I'm not like doing bits. I'm yeah, just talking yeah, to the yeah. person. I was like, it's weird to think that you wouldn't be here if a 13-year-old didn't get fucked. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> That's like, funny. And then, and then people laughed. And I wasn't trying, again, I, I, I want to stress that I'm not, like, being on. Yeah, 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 yeah. And but people laughed, and then I took out my phone and I wrote it down. Yeah, yeah. But then the thing is, is I care enough about that 
that when I go on stage, it doesn't need to be beaded out perfectly. I'll start doing it, and then I'll do it again, and then I'll do it again. And then typically it'll take a shape of three main points, the third one being the funniest one, bringing it all home. Is that what you do? Is it similar? Yeah, I guess so. I less of a... I less of I less so of like um, a bit just coming in conversation that happens occasionally, but um, I usually just have like I usually kind of just try to think about what is a, like what is like really in my head right now. What's yeah. what's emotionally really kind of strong in my head? What am yeah. I upset about? Like, because usually I think if anything is coming from like a strong emotion, yes. Then it's going to be good because that clearly has affected you, right? You know, stuff that wakes you up at night. Yeah, stuff that's just like annoys you or whatever, like right. you know. But I, not on the level of like, oh, you know, my my shampoo runs out and I right. forget to get the new one. Like right. not that, but like something oh, big. like yeah, something like oh, about like a girl or something like that. Sure, something emotional, and then like I and then I just think like why is that? Why is that make me feel that way? And then. Right. I'll kind of just write bullet points of like how to turn that. Bull- exactly. Me too. The bullet points break it down, open it up a little bit. Yeah, I don't know anyone that like full on like writes everything, every word they say. Pretty much everyone I know is bullet points. I always ask people how they write stuff. Yeah. And I don't know anyone that's been like, well, I spend about two hours every day just kind of sitting down and right. gathering right. my thoughts. You know who does? No. Kumail does that. Really? Kumail writes every day. Very industrious. He writes like several that's hours. That's why he's going to surpass all of us. Uh-huh. He writes several hours a day? I think he writes a couple hours in the morning. And he's disciplined that he's like, I won't play video games until, uh, like, after I'm done I wonder writing. if that would, it would help me or not. Well, you know, I think we're, this is a big thing, uh, and this came up with Chelsea. It's like, your way, what's working for you, is the way. You know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to sound too zen. But, like, we look at other people and we're like, oh, he writes, but that doesn't work for me. Because Louis doesn't do that either. Yeah. And Louis talked about there's dictating brain and then there's actually talking brain. Now, I'm not saying Kumail is dictating. But when I write it out, if I feel myself reciting something which is what I used to do in the first years of stand-up. It was like this line, pause, this line, pause, punchline sort of thing. Now it's like I care about the idea of marriage being an antiquated idea uh, that 13-year-old girls used to get married and all that sort of stuff, and now we're still doing that. I care enough about that to know how I feel because, like you were saying, I have emotion behind it. Yeah. If I wrote it out, it might dry the idea up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, like, just even just sitting down and, like, thinking of bullet points, not necessarily like, yeah. full-on sentences. I mean, I think that's one of the things that's always going to be appealing to creative people is, like, hey, I bet if you and I got up in the morning and just free wrote, just like, a, like just wrote what you were thinking about, what was in your mind, what was in your heart— uh, uh, just wrote it all out, and I've done that before. Then when you're riffing on stage, like those ideas will come out. They'll be yeah. there. I'll tell you the truth. Doing this podcast is a lot like writing for me because it's constantly going in and exploring myself, also the guest, but like figuring myself out. Yeah, I, even when I've done podcasts, sometimes I've kind of stumbled onto things that maybe have become bits in the future or whatever because ultimately you're just talking about how you feel about things, right. and, and stand-up is a lot about like, oh, this is how I feel about this thing. Exactly. It's not often that you would take an hour or two to just kind of talk out with another creative person and on a good day seeing where things go and following it together and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, when I was in New York last time, I, I did this thing where like I was doing like three or four sets a night, just dropping in, like aggressively trying to get this, like maybe like the first like 30 minutes of a new hour, like in shape. And yes. I was like, I was pretty close. And I was like, man, it's just not, it needs to get kicked up another level. And then I was like, all right, I'm just like not going to do any shows. 
I'm just going to like do shit and just like yeah. have stuff happen to me and yes. like talk to people about stuff. And, and that like helped. It, it helped a lot. I think that's important. That's come up on the show before and people have told me that that really helped them. You have to live a life worth commenting on. And you, yeah. need, you need to follow that instinct. It's like there's times to do a lot of shows and to write a lot and to like – it's like re- it's harvesting and sowing. You know what I mean? There's times to do a lot of – so you're doing the shows and then, and then there's times to pump the brakes and be like, I did 30 minutes in, in three months or four months or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to like go do something. Yeah. <laughs> and not with the purpose of writing a bit about it, but just go. No, just do what you normally want to do. And then whatever happens will exist. Yeah. I would. There's there's a oh, I wanted to tell you a funny story. My friend Brady Novak. Do you know Brady? I don't think so. He's a big old dude from Chicago. Mm-hmm. He's very, very funny. He told me this really funny story that he... It's about encores. He went and saw James Taylor, and he was drunk. Brady was drunk. And he kept yelling out, Mexico. Oh, no. He kept yelling... I know. He was, he's embarrassed by this story. And uh, he's yelling, Mexico, Mexico. And other people started doing it, too. Mm-hmm. So James Taylor... This is during the set. Like, there's no encore or anything. It's like in the first... I don't know James Taylor... Stuff that well. So is that a song of his or something? Yeah. Okay. Oh, Mexico. Okay. I've never really been. Around. You love singing. I do like singing. <laughs> I, I, I like playing. Uh, so anyway, I've been with all, Chappelle came up, Kumail came up. I've been being more subdued because we're in your home. <laughs> Normally I would do impressions of them for 10 uh, minutes. So he took his set list and goes, hey, we're doing Mexico for the second encore. Stop yelling it. And he pointed Whoa, that's to awesome. That second encore. So he called wow. it out. He showed them the set list. That's hilarious. Break, break Mexico. Shut up and put it back down. Still got that second encore, though, didn't he? That's hilarious. Isn't that fantastic? That's so funny. Isn't it so weird that now you have to kind of, at the top of your shows for comedians, I think you, you almost have to kind of address like the stuff of like, Taking videos, taking photos, yeah. yelling shit out. Yeah. That's become a thing I've noticed. Like, everyone kind of, you kind of have to, like, do these weird, a funny version of these right. announcements, just basically begging people, please. I've like, seen you do that. Be like a polite person. Right. Don't yell random, don't yell out random catchphrases. Right. Don't videotape and put this all up on YouTube so it, right. you know, steals our livelihood. Don't right, yeah. flash at my face nonstop. Like, right. You know, and it, it's so weird. And, and then, God, that's, the, that's, the, that's so hilarious that he was like, he had to literally Stop. pull out his set list yeah. and say, look, yeah. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Can you just be a polite, decent person and yes. let everyone enjoy the show? Yes. You get that a lot. You get a lot of your sets filmed and stuff. I'm kind of at not a- anymore. Really? No, because I, 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 and you know, I just think people don't really understand why it's a. I think most people don't understand why it's a bad thing that our sets get filmed, and it's because if the stuff was filmed, then it would be up on YouTube. Then people would search our names and they would watch it. Then they would come to see the tour and they'd be like, "Oh, Virgil already seen this right, stuff." Right, 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 right. Why did I come see him? Right. We need to control when it's released. Yeah, and um, and it yeah, might not so be done. Be, it might not be yeah. near done. 
So it's really it's kind of heartbreaking. It's like you you have this new bit you're really excited about, right? Like you're talking about the happiness in your pocket, and then someone just takes it away from you and puts it out there, and it's right. nothing anymore. The novelty's gone. Yes, but I I, I um you know we just put up signs and stuff, and uh, and then I tell people to um take photos in the beginning and do some bit about it. And in my last special, I did a bit about it, and then in this tour, I did a different kind of bit about photos or whatever. Right. Um, so- Somebody told me that photo. See, this is so weird. Actually, just again, Chelsea's going to come up a lot because she's our mutual friend. I often, I'm like, it's weird that Aziz is so famous. I'm sorry again to be so obvious, but I was like, you go out and people want photos constantly. I know Louis doesn't do photos. He doesn't do photos at all. Yeah. Yeah. Are you there yet? Are you like I don't do photos? I'll sign something. I I I can't. Because if you to do me, it's one, like easier to just do a photo than like get into like, an argument with someone. Because does that happen? I, I don't know how he does his thing, but I was like I I just I don't know I, I you know I, I I don't know I don't like talking about it or ever seeming like I can complain about that stuff because sure. I, I feel so lucky to get to do what I do. But I, I just I, I usually just take photos unless it's like. You know, I'm with my family or something like that, or like you know, if I'm in the bathroom or something. Right, I'm, like, right. I'm sorry, I'd rather not. And people are usually cool. Ninety percent, ninety-five percent of people are really cool. The only people that are like not cool is like if someone's like really drunk or something like that. That can be a little scary, or right. you know. Uh, but ninety-five percent of people are great, super nice, and you know, if, if for whatever reason I can't, people are always very understanding or whatever. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like talking actually, about this stuff cause I don't ever want to seem like I'm complaining about it. I completely understand that, 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 that's a tif- difficult thing to address. What's up? Um, uh, can you guys, um, just be careful hitting the table. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. <laughs> it's funny because I was talking to Christian Finnegan. This was, ba- this will actually segue pretty nicely into that weird thing that I was going to tell you. Oh, was, uh, we, when we would do the best week best ever Best week shows? ever live. Oh, yeah. Oh God. That's so long ago. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that was like my first big thing. I, I mean, like doing those was fun, it, and then it was fun, and we did a bunch of them together. You got to do colleges. I remember that I had to address that. You just happened to be the person that I had to learn this lesson through, which was hating on somebody who's getting things blowing up quickly. Whether it's you, Donald Glover, it doesn't matter. Like young guys shooting up quickly. The people, and I've said this many times, but it's, it's worth repeating, the people that really hate on those people quit comedy. <laughs> they all fall away. They yeah. die off and they're, they're cut off from the rest of the plant. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, anyone that, like, hates people on that, in that kind of way, like, they're usually just kind of, like, bummer people. Like, yeah, bummer. I don't know. It's like, I, you know, um, like, who's getting a bunch of stuff now? Like, oh, like Hannibal. Like, yeah. I see that. I'm like, great. Hannibal's like super hilarious. Right. And, and any like, any love for stand-up is good for all of us. Anyone, Completely. especially someone that's good getting... Well, Dane got it of, too. Dane got it big time. Uh, got a lot of hate when yeah. he was shooting up super, super big Madison Square Garden time. And I remember thinking like, that's good for us because more people are going to go to stand-up because they're like aware of it. Like... Even him doing yeah. stand-up makes more people go to more shows and stuff. What happens, though, is, like, the thing that happens with that stuff, the reason that happens is because all these places, they look and see what one person is writing about. So during that wave in New York, it was like, oh, well, this magazine said this guy is easy, funny. Let's, we, we should, let's write a thing about him. They're right. just looking to fill space. And so they said, right. oh, they, that guy's funny. We'll write a thing about him. 
And then if you're just a person like reading shit, you're like, all right, enough about this guy. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know, because yeah, 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 yeah. it's like like right now with like uh, like Louis, it's like every single thing you turn, it's another thing saying it's brilliant. Right. And if you're reading all these things, you're eventually like, all right, enough about. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, get yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And so you just like kind of just like have this thing in your head. But I mean, you look at anyone that's like does interesting work or is someone whose respect I care about. They're never the kind of person that's like hating on people. No, or whatever. none of them. They're, I mean, it just doesn't really concern them. No. Why would it? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I didn't trying to think. I, whatever you're talking about back then, like I never experienced anything direct. I'm still friends with uh, you know all the people from back then. You know, you <coughs> Chelsea, sure, guys like Eugene, Todd, whoever. Like, you know, anyone that was like part of this like hating thing or whatever. I'm sure. But they're all gone. People, yeah, they're probably not people that are doing comedy anymore. They were in your periphery. But it was something that I noticed. That there, it, it was you, and before you, it was someone else. These groups get together, and they, you want to drink or whatever, and bitch about how someone is getting something. They're all, they all got burned off. They're all, they all Like, stop doing comedy? Quit comedy, yep. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's, what we start, that's when I started to notice. So that's when I, you stop like, caring about that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like, um, someone asked me, like... Um, about like oh, you know, if people write stuff mean on like Twitter or like on a comment thing, does that upset you? And it's like, not really, because anyone who I really respect, like uh, y- you know, other comedians or you know people like Apatow or someone like that, I've never heard of them doing something like that. No one I do you know anyone you admire or respect that's like just randomly just like shitted on something or right. a comment thing or right, like right, right. on Twitter, like just written like you suck to like someone right. or like you're not funny. Like no, no one that's made no. anything of any value or created anything great does stuff like that. Yes. In so why do we care. why would so, you care? I mean I care about the respect of like other comedians and people that I work with and people that I look up to and, and I feel pretty comfortable with the level of respect I've gotten from those people. Sure. So, yeah, I don't really care if some so, somebody writes something on the internet. It's so well put. What What is that person going to yeah, uh, yeah. If someone, like, writes something that, like, hurts you feelings and, and you're, like, upset, like, you know, yeah, just ask them. All right, well, what's, like, one thing you've made that anyone cares about? <laughs> Have you created one... Like, have you created one thing that anyone's going to care about at all? Have you done anything that anyone cares about? Have you made something that anyone would point to and say, I like that? Have you done that? You haven't done that. Right. Then go do that instead of, like, shitting on people. Yeah. Yeah, free up some time instead of shitting on people and go make that wood sculpture you were thinking about. But it's weird. I mean, it, it, you know... I, I know people that like read that stuff and it does bum them out and it's hard not to get bummed out a little bit but it's right. like you know I was telling someone this one time it's like well take one day I, I like remember looking up something about like bring the pain mm-hmm. which I think is like one of the best stand up specials and, and this was like years ago I remember just looking it up for something and someone was shitting on it and I was mm-hmm. like wow that's how that's how pointless this is. Like even the thing I think is the best thing, someone's gonna say they hate it. It doesn't right. matter. What, it doesn't. You can't take it personally. People right. just hate stuff. Some people don't like it. It doesn't matter. Right. You're not gonna. You're not gonna get everyone on board. Well, that's it's what, impossible. That's what. You, all you can do is is try to just do something you're proud of that your friends and people you look up to like. Right. And if you do that, then if you like it and 
other people you respect and work with like it, then then you're you're great. You're doing right. you're doing great stuff. Well, that, that's what that's what Bill Cosby said about uh, the key to failure is trying to please everyone. That when we were talking off mic before we started recording, we were talking mm-hmm. about how many people listen to this show. I was like, more importantly than the number, it's it's who's listening to the show uh, because it seems like the the right people. You know, when I meet them, it yeah. shows the kind of people that come out finding that sensibility. Eugene told me uh, probably around ten years ago, he was like, "There, there's an East Village everywhere." You know what I mean? Every every city has its has its Brooklyn. Has yeah. its, I know I just jumped boroughs, but I'm just saying has that little area that you mm-hmm. want to find those people. You don't want the guy on Twitter that hates you to like you necessarily. <laughs> Why would you want to win him over? And at the same time, I don't want people my parents' age thinking I'm super hilarious either. If my, my parents come to my show and they're like, I didn't understand any of it, I'm like, yeah, it's not really for you, <laughs> is yeah, it? Yeah, but at the same time, there's like a danger of like, you know... That's why I tried. When I go back to New York, I do the cellar and I'll do like Max Silvestri's show in Williamsburg. Because sure. I think you do want to be able to do all the rooms in a way. Like you don't want to just please people. Right. I don't think you want to just be able to kill at UCB. No, absolutely not. I think it's important to do all those places. I completely agree with that. But even if you go to like the Laugh Factory out here and also UCB, uh, it's still going to be – you know, it's not going to be jazzy jackets on 65-year-old women. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? You're not going to get seniors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I love, like, doing shows where I did some um, benefit once where there was some people that were, like, really old. And I love that because I think it's really um, interesting to do your jokes and, and see, like, are those people laughing at this yeah, stuff? Yeah, interesting. And, uh and I did this show, and I, and I, I just watched the old people the whole time, and, yeah. and the jokes worked. And I was like, man, I'm really glad they worked. I'm, I'm glad they're into it. You know, they might not necessarily go see me on tour or something, but it's nice to know, like, just as a pure, just like, as a comedian, yeah. like, oh, that stuff is funny to them, and it's not just funny to, like, they probably don't know my stuff. So, you know, it gets to a certain point where, like, you want to make sure people, you still have a good gauge with stuff like as you get popular you don't want it to be like oh you just have an audience full of yes men and they're yeah. just gonna laugh at whatever you do yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. that's the thing with the seller it's like you know whenever you're someone that drops in like people are so excited that this surprise guest came like you don't want them to just be laughing at your new stuff because they're just excited you're right, there you, right, right, you right. want to make sure the shit like is strong so that someone that hates you right. could watch it and like have a good be like oh wow that's funny well that's yeah. the ricky gervais factor Ricky started – I don't know him. I'm calling him Ricky. Ricky, my friend, started doing uh, stand-up after he was super, super famous. Mm-hmm. And then it was really, really hard for him to find crowds that would give him, like, the honest reaction. Yeah. But so, I do think that kind of, like, generosity goes away after a couple of minutes. I think so, too. You kind of have to stand on your own. I think so, too. And, and I, that's probably why he was able to get over that. Um, I would love to talk – well, yeah, I feel like I should tell the story that I alluded to. It's not that good of a story. I want to tell you one thing that Patton told me about repeating material and why it's so important that when we're touring to be doing a new hour or whatever. Mm-hmm. He told me, he was like, if, you, if I go to Atlanta or whatever, and that's where I was. I was like, yeah, I did like some 30% my album, 70% new stuff at the time. And he's like, if you do that, that's fine. Uh, they'll all enjoy it. No one will be like, what was that? But they won't come back necessarily, and that really haunted me. Because seventy thirty—that's pretty good. Yeah, that's maybe maybe it was worse. Maybe it was seventy thirty the other way when he told me. Oh well, then, but you know, I don't know. You know, it's hard to tell. Like how many of those people had like 
come because they'd seen your special or right. whatever, you know? Yeah. I like to do you do old bits. I like to take requests if they want to do an old bit. I love doing an old. No, bit. I st- I don't because I don't really remember them that well sometimes. And um, also, if you said any requests, it would be fifty thousand it, people. It's just like, <laughs> and the people that yell stuff are like the most drunk, out right. of control people. Right, I right. I, I I just you know I just kind of really treat it like like a play. Like all right, I'm doing this show. I'm touring it. I'll put it out as special, and then, uh, and then, yeah, I'm not really going to do that stuff anymore. Right? You know, so Here, I don't really do it anymore. But yeah, but, but most people don't really understand. Like, like I did this benefit in LA, the, this Hurricane Sandy benefit, and um, this, uh, this someone came up to me and they're like, oh, I, I saw your thing a month ago. It's the same stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, I don't write a new hour every month." Right. Like, you know, I'm sorry. It's right. like I, I got asked to, to do this benefit, and I just, like, just did – I just wanted to give people a good show, so I did, like, right. you know, jokes oh, that God. work really well, you know? But um, <laughs> but but at the same time, part of me was like, but hold up, just so you know, I got, like, 40 minutes in my back pocket, uh, but it's not quite polished yet. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> but I don't know. All that stuff's so weird. It's just no one understands – stand-up's such a weird thing, and you can't expect people to understand. That's why it's like you can't really get mad at people for videotaping. They don't understand why it's a bad thing. They're just right. like, oh, I want to watch this later. Right. Like when I did that benefit, there was a kid in the front row who was taping the whole show. And I was yeah. like, hey, man, just watch the show with, the, with, your, with your eyes. It'll be fine. Like I'm going to film it myself with like much better cameras yeah, yeah, yeah. in the near future and then put it out, and it'll be much better quality. I'm not going to use iPhones to film it, and it's right, going to be right. great. You can watch it then, I the promise. The first special with only crowd iPhones. <laughs> I think yeah. you're onto something. <laughs> yeah. But um, what were we talking about? Just, oh, repeating material. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, God, I mean, if you're doing, like, theaters and stuff, like, people are paying, you know, 40, 50, 60 bucks without the fees, and they're, they're making a night of it, like, yeah, I think you got to do, like, yeah. all new stuff. Or, you know. A majority new stuff. Here's, but, but you know, I, who knows? Like when you're talking about doing that show in Atlanta, it's like who knows what people have heard and what people haven't. You right, know? right, right, right. Well, I'm in a different place. Chances are they probably hadn't heard any of it, and they were like, "That was all new to me." Okay. <laughs> and they were then they were happy. Here's the weird thing that I was going to ask you, and then I really want to get into um, relationship stuff, which sure. is very interesting to me. Uh, but just so people won't be like, "What was the story?" It's not even that good. We were touring Best Week Ever Live. Mm-hmm. And I did to you something that has been then, since then, done to me many, many times. And I realized I did it to you. And this is what I did to you. First of all, talk about the things that you influenced me. Um, I remember being in your hotel once. Uh, we were on the road, and I forget where we were. It was best sh- week ever? It was Best Week Ever Live. Yeah, I totally forgot. We used to do all those shows. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, so long ago. We were on a pretty good run. It was me, you, Mike Britt. I forget, you know, the other people would switch out. Yeah, but me, you, and Britt did a lot of them. Me, you, and Britt did a lot of them. He's such a nice dude. I see, yeah. I, I see him around every now and then, and, and it's so funny. He's a great guy. He, uh, so I went to your hotel, and I was very interested. It's one of those things that, like, I call it, it comes up on the show, Burger Kinging somebody. I was like, you were McDonald's, and I was like, I'm going to Burger King Aziz. Whatever he's doing, I'm going to do. No. And you were very, you were incredibly, you were like Burger King away. Because I was like. What, are you, what, what was it? I, because I was like, what the fuck is happening? Like, I couldn't put my finger on why you were blowing up. And you, not, not, not in a bad way, not in a, like, this guy's a piece of shit, but, like, I want to know exactly his strategy. <laughs> There's and, no secrets in stand-up. You know, Eugene told me something very early on that I thought was, like, the smartest thing. He was just like, just 
just kill. Like, yeah. And everything else will come into place. Like, yes. no one's going to not book a guy that's killing all the time. Right. Why are people talking about Hannibal? Because he's killing. Right. Why, you know, right. why do I, you know, why did but I. But I would say Hannibal's killing in the right places. There are people on the yeah, road currently that are killing with an axe. True. That's would, true. Wouldn't work in LA, New York, Chicago. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the right people have to see you kill eventually, but like. Right. But the thing that, that you, what was I doing in New York in that time? Like I was just I was just doing good sets. You were doing good sets. That's stand up. That's one thing. But yeah. guys like us that want to do different things, that want to be comedians, not just comics. Mm-hmm. You were doing Shutterbugs, and you were telling me you you had uh, Wooliner, uh, right? Jason Wooliner. Yeah. And you were like, you got to find a Wooliner because you were you were put you were like when I submit myself. Wooliner's a guy that directed. The, that human short giant, film, which is what bugs. became a sketch in Human Giant, yeah. Exactly. And and then you also did something else that I thought was really smart, which you paired with Sheer and Hubel, these other really talented guys that had this experience. And again, that's all by accident. Nothing like calculated on my part. I was like, oh, let's make a short film. Now, like everybody that's a comedian, it's like almost right. as, assumed. It's like, well, let me see your shorts. Yeah, you know, yeah, like, yeah. This is before people were putting but stuff that's the on thing. YouTube or everything. That's what it I'm was saying. very kind of accidentally like ahead of its time in a sense. But that's what I wanted to Burger King. <laughs> yeah. So did and, you do it? Yeah, that's what I Burger King. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep just yeah. using my stupid term, but you were never withholding. You were like, "This is what I did." You got to find a guy that can edit, direct, and and get your stuff out there so you can write it and act it and do all that. I mean, stuff. there's no point in being like, "There's never going to be a time where they're going to be like, well, we have enough funny stuff." Thanks, but right. we're already full. Right. There's room for everyone to do stuff. So right. if anyone's like coy or anything like that, it's kind of like, right. Right, well, what, do you, what do you mean a dick for? But that, so you helped me, you know? with, you helped me with that, which was awesome. There's another thing, like, you know, the people that are like, mm, I don't know if I should do it. Like, yeah. Talk to people like, talk to like Louie, man. Like I've talked to him for, when I was, when I finished my first special, like, um, he, uh, he, it was when he was doing parks and I was like, man, how, how do you write a new hour? Like, it seems so hard. And he he just talked to me forever about it, I, I, you know. And the most like giving, nice dude, yeah. like yeah. so welcoming to like give advice and stuff. I've talked to him about um, all this stuff. Like you know, when you start doing stuff like theaters and like putting out these big specials, there's only a few people that you can really talk to about this stuff. Yeah. And if people are like, mm, I don't know if I want to tell you how I write my stuff, like, right. No one does that. All those guys, like... Those are the haters. The, <laughs> those no, those guys awesome. don't. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I, you know, because, uh, you know, I, I I know Louis, and he's the person I've probably talked to the most about that stuff, and he's just, like, a good dude, and I, I don't know if other people you talk to about that kind of stuff would be kind of, like, right. shy, but, you know, like... Louis or like Kevin Hart, like those guys are fucking super nice dudes. They'll tell you anything. They're just like, right. they, they want you to do well and they're very nice and like um, so generous with advice and stuff. Like, yeah. It reminds me of Van Halen playing with his back to the crown. I don't know if you ever heard that when Van Halen was So starting. people wouldn't see what tricks he was doing on his guitar? Yeah. It, it, and obviously Van Halen's very successful and doing fine, mm-hmm. but there's something about Louis letting you see his his fretboard. You know what I mean? Or, or Kevin Hart letting you. But no one's letting him. you see your. No one. It, it's not letting you see the fretboard because it's not like oh, then I'm gonna do Kevin and Louis jokes. I can't do right. that. Right. You know, it's still like you're still. You know, it's like, hey, what kind of guitar do you like? What kind of guitars do you like using? Oh, right. I like using uh, right. Lesbo or whatever. You but he, he, even at, at a certain point, some creative people would be guarded at that. I mean, 
I get guarded, and uh, if you were like, hey, Aziz, like, uh, can I just use those premises or bits? That's when you're like, all right, right. no. But yeah, anything yeah, yeah. else you ask me about, like, why would I not be like, you right. know? You know, like, uh, for example, it's like, oh, if you had, I don't do any podcast stuff, but if, if you know, if I'm sure when you're doing your podcast, you ask other people about, like, podcast device, like, sure. there's always room for another podcast. There's always right. room for another guy to tour theaters. Or I was on the phone today with Joe DeRosa, who's starting a podcast, <laughs> telling him there's, all my thoughts on starting a podcast. It's just much better to be a nice person and, and generous with your advice and everything than to be like a, just a dick. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. So this is what I did. And this has been built this up is, so much. This, so you did your own shorts and stuff. I did the shorts and stuff and that, and that did help. You were like, that helps. If you want to be an actor, show them that you're an actor. Do some yeah. If you want to be a writer, show them that you can write. But this is the weird thing that I did. Then we're on a plane. I remember this pretty vividly. We're on a plane and, and Human Giant had just gotten picked up and you were like putting the staff together or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I went, I was just like, so man, if there's anything, I gave you the, if there's anything I can do, let me know. Wait, you wrote an email? <laughs> no, I said it to you in person. Oh, well, that's even more awkward. <laughs> Before a three hour flight. Ah! <laughs> that's so, wait. In, you- in the past, I was like, that, that story to me was Aziz. What, uh, thought I was a dick or whatever, and now I look back and I'm like, oh, I was a dick. Like that. That there, there's a time. Not really. Not a dick, but there's a time to network and stuff and sniff around. And then there's a maturity where you're like, look, I'm gonna, as Eugene said and as you said, I'm gonna keep killing. Aziz will be aware of me, and if he thinks that's a good sensibility, he'll ask me to be on his show. Yes, and that's the that's the very mature, enlightened way to think about that. That takes a while to get there, though. But I wouldn't, yeah, but I didn't, I don't, definitely wasn't like, oh, this guy's a dick. I was like, oh, okay, like, I may have been like, oh, it's a little awkward or something. You, but didn't, you didn't really say anything, you were yeah. just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then I was like, ooh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I remember I was trying to get booked somewhere to do stand-up when I was first starting out and someone said something like that to me, like, hey, like, just keep doing stuff. I'm sure I'll see you eventually. I'm not going to ask you to give a tape because I never watch the tapes. I'll be honest. Like, I have a, the person yeah. was like, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I don't watch the tapes. I'm sure I'll see you. Just keep doing stuff. I'll eventually see you. If it works, I'll break Was it Sean Conroy by any chance? It was him, I believe. That's from, one from of my night. stories. Yeah. I've told that story on this show before. He was the only guy that shot me straight. He went, I don't watch tapes. Here's how it works. I'll hear about you. I'll book you. That's how it'll... That'll, that's it how makes it'll, sense, yeah. makes perfect sense. And when he said that, I was like... Oh my, and that is how it works, and that is how. But that was that was me being like, "Would you watch my tape?" sort of thing. Now, what's interesting is, I, I hear you saying that you don't want to be come off as calculated or, or Machiavellian, or that you've been like scheming your success. Not saying, not saying I don't want to come off that way. Just saying I just not. I, I hear that, but I hear these stories. Here's another Aziz-driven story that I heard. Um, that you were at a party and somebody from Fallon or something came up to you and they were like, hey, Aziz, we're big fans over at Fallon. And this is the story that I heard. Oh, brother. I know, right? This it, is, I, I, there's so many times that people like, do you have this when people are like, oh, yeah, and then you were like this and whatever. Like, I have to imagine at your level, this sort of shit happens a lot. It be- it's like you, you it know when uh, you ever like uh, uh, like bump into someone that's uh, like recognize you or something, and then they write on Twitter about that experience, yes. and you're like, 
what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two seconds later. I took a photo with you and said thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, that's the, the Alec Baldwin factor. I met Alec Baldwin once at UCB. They did the Live 30 Rock. And then after the show, he bought calamari for the table. And then I was like, that's him buying calamari. And that's a story for me. You know what I mean? I go around because I'm a knucklehead like, oh, Baldwin bought me calamari. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? That was a long time ago. But like, still, I'm a knucklehead. Now, the story, I'll tell you the story as I heard it. Mm-hmm. Fallon guy comes up to you. We love you. We'd love to get you on. And you were like, okay, cool. Thanks, man. And, and, you, and you walked away. And that was the story. And then he went up to you again and was like, oh, uh, hey, man. I, we were talking earlier. Just seriously, if you, if you wanted to, Fallon, let me know. Then you walked away. You were like, okay. And then you walked away There's again. There's no way. This sounds absurd. I know. That's why I'm telling you the story the way I'm, I heard it rather than. What, like I blew off doing a set on the show? No, you didn't say nothing, but you were just like, okay, and then you walked away. And then the story that I heard was then the next day you had uh, – are you with Becky? Yeah. You had Dave Becky call, and we were like, sorry if Aziz seemed a little weird. He's really hold, holding out for Conan. Now, that story being bullshit as it probably is, still – what I want to talk about is the Aziz that's like, I want to sell out Madison Square Garden, seeing a track, seeing a – projection for your life and being like that's what i want and i want to break on conan and i want to sell out madison square garden i don't think there's anything wrong with knowing what you were after leaving best week too here's a, a personal one that i saw when i made real quick so the found thing yeah you can, i'm trying to think sorry that's a lot i just threw at you okay well the found thing i'm sure i was just like oh okay cool because if you're at a party that's not the venue to where like like what are we gonna like bust out a calendar and like start looking at dates yeah, you yeah, know yeah. what i mean sure, of and course. like and also, yeah, I did want to do um, stand-up on Conan first because when you do one of those – because you, you have like seven minutes of material um, that you really want it. Like when you're starting out, you know, you probably have like a couple of bits. Like you don't have specials and stuff. So when you right. do these TV spots, that's like people seeing your stand-up. So I was like, oh, I really want to go on Conan and do a set on Conan first. Um, but I didn't want to say that to that guy because that would be right. like insulting. And right. like – you know, this is probably when if this is if this is back then, this is probably when Fallon was like. Uh, Siri, I don't think call it was, Fallon. I don't think it was. <laughs> I don't think it was Fallon because Fallon came. It might have been Ferguson. Fallon came on when I was doing shows and right was uh, would be on the couch. So it wasn't so Fallon. It wasn't Fallon. It may have been like it may have been like Carson Daly or something. Sure. And maybe I didn't. I was just like, "Oh, cool, right?" But like, what are you supposed to do? Like, the I'm, person that told you the story is like being a dick. Like, <laughs> what, what am I supposed to do? Like, bust out a calendar in, in the middle of a party? That's not right, the that's right. not the proper way. That's not how you get booked. All this the talk shows and stuff you've been booked on. How is it done? They call your people, right, right, and right. they set it up. Of right? course, they don't approach you at a party and go like, "Hey, when can <laughs> let's let's set up a date for you to do?" So it's really who's being the dick in the story? Is it me who's just politely like, "Hey, thanks," and I but oh, I want to do wasn't... Carson or whatever the show was. I I my first TV spot's a big deal for me. I'm a young comedian. Right. What am I supposed to say? Oh, my my first TV spot's like a big deal to me. I'm a I'd young like comedian. I would really had my heart set on Conan because that's what I've kind of grown up watching and would right. really love to do. Right. Am I supposed to say that to that guy? face or be like oh okay thanks so much right and went on about my way <laughs> i actually didn't think the story what, what was interesting to me about the story wasn't aziz is a dick or aziz comes off as a oh, dick in the story. to me that seemed to be the point of your story the like, point oh, of the aziz story was more gracious that no, they no, wanted no. him on this show or whatever I, I could see how from where we're sitting now that that would be what it meant but to me at that time any opportunity you have to remember what it was like to be that hungry right no, none of us had done anything so the idea of turning down anything in favor of like 
I want Conan. You didn't have a Conan offer. So to have the foresight of being like, I don't want this to the point of like, I'm just going to be like, okay, thank you, even though it is at a party and you're right, it's the wrong venue. But that idea of uh, projecting the future, being like, Conan's how I break. Having that assurance that you were going going to do a late night show at some point. That that didn't, I didn't know that I was going to do a late night show until months after I had already done one. I allowed myself to be like, and I've done one. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the foresight of a comedian who, remember, had nothing. You had nothing. We all had nothing. But even at that time, you had this idea. I never would have thought. I never would have. I never would have um, even thought I would do theaters like I'm doing now. Like, I never thought I would do, like, Carnegie Hall and all this stuff. Like, I, I didn't think that was. I, I didn't thought. Think I, would, I did not think I would become, like, a theater actor or whatever. I mean, yeah. I, I would hope. I, I mean, I would have just been fine just, like, being, like, a solid, like, comedy club circuit guy that tours around or whatever i didn't never thought like i would get to do theaters and stuff that's really weird so I, I, that's why i find it hard to believe i here's this is what i would say to you is like i've always been the kind of person that just thinks about things over the next couple of months like, really just doing well on the things i'm working on right now See, so like to me like i would never think about like doing madison square Garden or even think that's even a remote possibility that's an. That's, I never would have thought that because that's I, an insane. There's only like only like three comedians that have even been able to do that. You're in prime position to be that guy, and it, and I, I mean now I could. I mean Dan, I could have done it on this tour, but I decided to just do a bunch of shows in New York instead because I right. think like so you could have done it. See, but yeah, like I if, I, I, if I, I told like 12, you seats or something like that, and then like if you added up all the different shows I've done, it'll probably be right. the same number of tickets, but. But that doesn't well, happen. Realizes, huh? It doesn't happen by accident. That, that stuff happens. But it happens. does. It does happen by accident. You don't think that's going to happen? Like, sure. I bet Dane thought it was going to happen. I guarantee Dane person. was going to. But was like Kevin, like Kevin Hart, did he think he was going to do arenas? I don't know if he did. Did, did Louis think he was going to do theaters? I, from talking to him and reading, like I don't think he did. I didn't think I was going to do theaters and stuff. It just happens. Like you know, you have a special that like pops. You get on a TV show or something, and then a lot of people know who you are, and then you're very lucky, and you, you get to do these theaters. But I never thought I was. Here's the thing. Here's what I'm saying: is look, like being on Parks and Rec. How did that happen? You I finished. No, I finished doing Human Giant. They asked us to do a third season. We said, oh, you know, we'd rather not do a third season. So we finished the third season, and then like I moved to LA because I was like, I want to act more. So I moved to LA, and then I did like I I I, I did some audition to be on Scrubs to do like a uh, like an arc on that, so I did that, and then like I had a meeting with um, Greg Daniels and Mike Sure, the guys who made Parks and Rec, and they're like, "Hey, we're putting together the show. Um, we'd love for you to be on it." They saw like some sketch from Human Giant that they really liked, and which one? It was the one Greg Daniels really liked that viral video sketch where Hubel plays Rob Hubel plays a guy that like it's it's like it's like Paul is hosting like this like news show about like people that have gotten famous from like internet videos and Hubel plays a guy that like cut his own dick off and like became super famous and his video had all these views and then I played a guy who just like made funny faces and got way more views just by making funny faces and it's just like me just shitting on him and him kind of like quietly coming to the realization that maybe he didn't need to cut his dick off to get famous this way that is great 
So, yeah, and so they just, like, cast me off that. I didn't audition or anything. Can I interject real quick? Mm -hmm. We won a a Klondike contest, like a Make Your Own Klondike commercial Mm -hmm. ones, and one of the losers, his video was getting a tattoo of a Klondike bar. Oh, God. So it's not cutting your dick off, but, like, he didn't get anything for doing that, and we just made a silly, funny face video, basically. That's the same, yeah, same same kind of thing. Isn't that crazy? That's so funny. Keep going, though. So, yeah, and then he was like, hey, do you want to be on this show? And uh, we're, we don't know what it's going to be, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, I, I'd love to do it because, you know, this was like when The Office was like in its prime. And I was like, oh, this is like the best show. These guys are doing like the best like comedy mm-hmm. on like network TV and whatever. And so I said yes, and then I did it. I never sat down. I was like, all right, so season three, Human Giant. Let's not do that. I think I need to do a network thing. Yeah, got to do a network show. I don't know what would be wrong if you did do that. You're a marketing guy. You're a smart guy. No, I'm in not fact, a marketing guy. But you majored in marketing. I, I did, but marketing is not a real thing. It's just a goofy major where they just like come up with lingo for like common sense. It's a very easy major to coast through if you're trying to coast through college and just do stand up. Well, I'm happy you're saying this. I, I don't. I'm just saying that like I don't think you can't. I, I don't. I don't think you can. I just try, like I'm saying, I'm I'm saying there's nothing necessarily wrong with being that calculating guy, but I think it does kind of have like a douchey connotation. But my 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 only thing is like just do really good stuff and everything else will fall into place. I think that's beautiful. I just I'm trying to give you the permission, the green light to because I think calculatedly sometimes, and I don't think there would be anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with being smart about stuff, but I don't think you can be like. I don't think – I think if you're doing – I think if in 2004, after I've been doing comedy four years, I was like, so how am I going to do Madison Square Garden? That's insane because it's – the chances of that happening are crazy. That, the chance of even becoming a guy to get to tour theaters, like I'm stunned. I'm so grateful that yeah. I've been able to do that, but I don't think I could come up with a plan to do that. I don't I know what that plan would be because pl- anybody that's kind of done that stuff, it's kind of – you know, like – you look at Kevin's story, it's kind of like, oh, like that, that Soul Plane movie like came out and like didn't do well, but it got bootlegged everywhere, so all these people saw it. Then he did this like Shaq comedy show thing. I, this is just based off some interview. I, I, I listened to some podcast he did, and he was talking about it, and I was just curious. It was interesting. You know, so he did this like Shaq comedy thing. And uh, that really blow up. And then he, he just kept – and he was like – like Kevin is like the smart – Kevin is like the the guy that's doing what you're saying I did. I, Kevin is very smart. Like Kevin yeah. like would do clubs and like he would like have like a guy like get everyone's email address so when he come back like I never did all that shit because I'm – frankly, I'm kind of lazy about that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. just kind of lazy in general. <laughs> so I wouldn't – I don't care enough to like get like – I would rather be like, well, hopefully like something else will happen and what's, I don't need to be getting a mailing list. What's unique and the point of the Conan story and uh, knowing what you don't want – like at that time when you're, you're basically starving as a comedian, artistically starving, you don't have any credits, you don't have anything happening – it, it inspired me to see somebody to be like, I'm going to wait for Conan. And it also, the story that uh, may or may not have happened, I'm completely open to the idea that I'm misremembering your wording or your meaning, completely. But that inspired me. You said, you said something that it usually takes, you have to get to the level that we're at now to be like, I, or the level I'm at. It would be ambitious for me to be like, I'm going to play Carnegie Hall. You have... That would be, but that would be somewhat appropriate if I was like, that's a goal of mine. But it felt to me in a good way, not a douchey way, a good way that when you were starting, 
you had some foresight. You had some belief in yourself that yeah, you were like, well, I'm I mean, going to hit that I could mark. see like – I could see this, the, the talk show thing. It's like, okay, well, what do you do to get on one of those talk shows? You give them a tape with like seven minutes of material. They watch it or you do an audition where you do like seven minutes of material and, and they watch it. And then if you do well, they just give you the spot. So to me back then I was like, well, it's not insane to think I could do Conan. Right. It's not insane to think that they I would do a showcase or whatever and like kill and they would be like, all right, yeah, let's let's give him a spot. Or right. Whatever. Right. Um, and uh, so I think I just look at it logically like that. So that's and why right, that, that would probably why. be my thinking for that because it's like, all right, well, I know all the people that are, are kind of in the running and I feel like I can hold my own. See that that right there. I just feel like that is years ahead of where you should have been. I'm trying to remember as we're talking what it felt like to come to New York. Well, and, here's the difference. And though. be like, am you I going to get anything? Well, see the big difference between. Um, I think the the reason I wasn't as intimidated by New York is because I started there and just did stuff there. Right. You were in Chicago and then came here, so uh-huh. I imagine it's very intimidating to be. In your scene in Chicago, and then you come to New York, and then like New York's kind of built up. It's like, oh, New York is where the, yeah. the best comedians are doing yes, shit, blah, yes, blah. Yes. But to me, that was all I ever knew. So I was never like intimidated by the New York scene because that's where I started. Right. So, you know, I mean, obviously I would be intimidated by things like the cellar and things like that, but I wasn't intimidated by my peers. Yes. Whereas you're coming from a totally different scene. So someone like me is up here but at the same time i'm this new york guy so i'm right. like a different right. person you know what i mean i think that's brilliant i so think, I think that's, that's exactly why right. i never had that kind right. of fear of anything it was practical you knew the conan people you knew the comedy central they were out they saw you coming up you know what i mean yeah. I, I think that's exactly exactly what we're talking about but that's interesting that has become a little bit of that folklore of that aziz laser focused <laughs> Who, in your who, head. In my head. And, and you know, there, there are other people. I can't think of them. I, I don't really harbor that sort of thing. But I know that there, would, that there would be people, especially because you majored in marketing, more than once I've been like, well, he's a marketing guy. He knows how oh to market God. himself. No, that's This the is the first thing. time this has come to you? I mean, I've, I've, people always ask that in interviews. Like, oh, you're a marketing major. Do you use your marketing? It's so funny. Like, but that no, stupid question has just. dumb. It just became nothing. a stupid belief. It's that that's just it's just knuckleheads oh believing God. that. So I'm glad yeah, let's like, put it to I'm glad we're putting it to rest. No, but like look, any of that stuff you get, it's all because like anything you get is from when you're starting out doing stand up is just because you've just like killed it during a set or something. Right. Like if you if you're one of those people that get like you know, I'm thinking back to like starting off like when people are like getting premium blend and right. stuff like you know. He, like Jesselin like, did really well on Premium Blend. Why? Because he kills. His jokes right. are hilarious. Right. You know what I mean? I think though it, that New York savvy that you had that I didn't have, which I think is key. It really just shifted something in my brain right now. But that that made it. I came to magic scary New York. That mm. was just this thing that it's not. You know, it was like this illusion. I, I couldn't possibly participate within it. And then you you were you came up within it. I remember. I met Fred Graver the same day that you, I think you met Fred Graver. Fred Graver was the executive, best week ever guy. Uh, executive producer yeah. of Best Week Ever. And when I met Fred Graver, I was like, <sighs> like I was drooling and I tripped. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I was just like stumbling over myself to, to like impress him and dance. Here's a key Aziz thing for me. Whoa. All right. I'm sorry to There's be this There's all way. these things I've done that I, I didn't think twice about. <laughs> I know. And I believe that because I believe that you just. Wait, so what happened? 
so then you, I watched you meet Fred Graver, uh-huh. and you shook his hand, and you said, what's up, man? And then it was done. And then I was like, <laughs> these guys, I'm begging to be on this show every week. I'm tap dancing as fast as I can. There's a story of this. Uh, yeah, but but this goes back to what I was saying. I Was that at UCB? Like there it was, was at UCB. Okay, so I remember that show. It was like yeah. they were doing like a Best Week Ever touring La- show. And I'd tour. never done Best Week Ever, but I was buddies with Sheer. And all those people, I mean, all the people doing Best Week Ever were just UCB people, like Sheer, like improvisers yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, and then they had like some LA people or whatever. But I just went, What's up, man? Yes. But then I just did my set and killed. And then he was like, Oh, c- come do Best Week Ever. Like, but then, but then what? And that's it. Because that's, 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 that goes back to what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't matter what you say to Fred Graver. Like, look, there's but that's there, there's so a game mature that's so but, smart but no, and mature. No, but here's the thing: like, there's there's there there is a game you can play where it's like, let me charm Fred Graver and then right. maybe get on. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> I love the idea of yeah, charming yeah. Fred Graver. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fred Graver, nice guy, but it's just funny to be there. I'm gonna woo just, Fred Graver. Yeah, there's like there's the idea of like being a guy that's like okay. This guy Fred Graver, he books best week ever. I need I need to get in his good graces. I got to buddy up with him. I need to go try to meet him, find out what parties he's hanging at. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. yeah, that, yeah. To me, I'd much rather say fuck all of that. I'll just do a set. If Fred Graver thinks I'm really funny and wants to throw me on best week ever, great. If not, I don't care. It's like a, I'm like, not gonna play that other game. But there's no point because I'll just keep investing in the game of like let me be a really good comedian because that's gonna have the longer term. Oh man. But yeah, I, no, you're right. I have but no you're, interest in like you're, flirting with Fred Graver. See, okay, I love that you said flirting because I'm going to say that you're roughly 10 years ahead of me at that time because it took me a while for me to re- – like like me or don't like me. I can't, I can't force you to like me by being nice or, or not just – not you were nice, but I did a, 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 you know, a, a soft shoe routine. I really uh, twirled my cane. For Fred Graver. Shit, for Fred Graver. But you did get Best Week Ever. And though. I did get Best Week Ever, but – Part of and it's because of the same reason that you got best week ever was that I that I did a good set. But your that level of maturity is really interesting. And I like the reason I like that you said flirting is because it's 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 relational. You were the guy, and I mean this again as a compliment that wasn't trying too hard to be like, please take me, please take me, please take me. And as a result, I watched it on Fred Graver's face when you didn't slobber and trip. I was like, oh, he's interested. You think he was like, oh, why isn't he? I can't call it. Suck up to me more. Yeah, I'm not a psychic, but in my limited again, see, that was totally an accident by me. Of course, yeah. But I was like, that makes sense. Aziz, you're like, you played it cool, and then people want cool people to like them because people secretly want to be cool themselves. So Fred Graver is supposed to be the cool one in that situation. He meets this young comedian who, by rights should be slobbering all over himself to get this TV credit. But you were like, you had this assurance to you that you were like, relax, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. You're not going to fuck up my comedy. And if you like it, we'll work together. But that's some mature shit. There are people I know that have been doing it over a decade like us that don't have that attitude, that are still slobbering. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it... Uh, yeah, but again, that was like total accident. I just it's not awesome. the type of guy that uh, that likes to like be like, hey, so yeah. what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> like, and slobber on people. Right. I just think that's like a dumb game to play. Like, if people... If you do good stuff, like, then, it, then people will want you. And it, look, you know, I... Uh, I could quit Best Week Ever eventually because, like, the, I did the show one time and, like, they were, like, uh, the stuff wasn't funny and they were, like, asking me to, like, talk about stuff I didn't care about and I was just, like, I, 
I could have been like, oh, well, I'm going to, uh, it's the best week ever. I've got to, you know, really play this game. But I was like, no, you know, I, I don't want to do this. And I just didn't do the show anymore. But what you're saying, that decision and the way that you were, this maturity that I'm hearing at that age, you were like, what, 23? 24? I'm, I'm 29 now. So what, that was 2004. So eight years ago. God damn, I was 20, 21. 21, 22. That level of mature <laughs> is tremendous. But you could also say, like, you know, it's, it's kind of like silly and, and naive and uh, callous to like quit something like Best Week Ever at that age. You know? It's, Who knows? The, you look the, at it two different ways. Look, every, I, I, things turned out great for me and I'm very happy, but who knows? I mean, you, there could be a different version of stories like, oh, you know, he was doing Best Week Ever and then he was just kind of just blew them off, like, didn't want to do the show anymore. Right. And then nothing ever happened to that guy. He's dead. Right. Well, that happened. That happened. It didn't go that way, though, which is yeah. why it's, it's a story worth but telling. I, but, you know, look, you, you, you just have to be stuffier. dead. <laughs> Got fired, fired from Best Week Ever, then he died. You should have stayed on. You should have made that joke about Britney Spears shaving her head. Yeah. It'd still be alive. Yeah. Just, I mean, whenever you're doing this stuff, I think it's always important to just just work on whatever you're passionate about, like whatever you enjoy doing. Because if you're working on stuff you don't enjoy doing, then you're just gonna keep going down that path, and then and then eventually you're like working on stuff you don't care about. I mean, uh, you know, you look at these guys, like you look at someone like Eugene, like uh, Eugene just works on awesome stuff that's like that he's into and all right. this other stuff comes his way because you know well, he doesn't the- try to play anyone else's game he doesn't try to do anything else he does what he wants to do i mean right. I, and i try to do the same thing it's like all right parks and rec like that happened to be like a sitcom where it was like this is eric, eric uh, okay. parks and rec is like oh this is like a network sitcom that i think is going to be really funny i think it's going to be really good because these guys that worked on the office worked on it i think it's going to be great so yes. i'm going to do it yes but I never was like, oh, I got to do a network sitcom. I got to do a network sitcom. Right. Because then I'll, if I do a network sitcom, then more people will see me, and then maybe I can get a special and all. No. But because I did stuff I was into, like, so the people that are watching Parks, like, if someone watches Parks, like, they probably have a similar sense of humor to me, and uh, they'll be the right kind of people that would enjoy my stand-up too, you know? Right. Whereas if I did a different sitcom that's maybe, like, not my sensibility, right. I just did it for the money or the exposure, right. it probably wouldn't have worked out. Like if they offered you outsourced. Yeah, I probably <laughs> wouldn't have done that. I mean, and, right. and I basically, in effect, preemptively turned that down because early on I was like, I'm not going to do anything with an accent. Right. Like when I first started doing stuff and, you know, they would send scripts and it would be like, you play the cab driver that's really wacky or whatever. And early on, I just told those people, I was like, hey, just just tell them that's just not a thing I do, and I'm not interested in doing it. Yeah. And so one way of looking at, at that is like, oh, Aziz really fucked up. He could have done all these movie parts that would have really blown, blown up, but he turned them all down and said he didn't want to do accents, and then he <laughs> fell in a volcano. <laughs> But, it, but instead, yes. it just worked out in my favor because I ended up doing other stuff, blah, blah, blah. But my point is, that was less, looking back, it was a smart thing to do because mm-hmm. it was like, oh, then I'm not building this audience of people that want to hear me do accents. I'm not like cultivating a, a fan base of people that like hearing me talk in a silly accent, right? which would be horrible because that's not what my stand-up is or anything, and it's not what I'm interested in doing. So I turned that stuff down, but it wasn't like as... 
it wasn't as savvy as it seems in hindsight, I guess. What but I'm you saying. know, I and I'm you know, I'm happy that it wasn't. And I guess I'm, I'm saying I mean, all these things that seem like savvy moves. Yeah. In hindsight, it was really just like me just saying no to stuff I didn't want to do or being lazy. But that's or, inspiring. I'm glad you're saying this on the show, and and you don't even think of it that way. That makes it even better. You're literally preaching the gospel of following your heart, doing things that are good that but, you like. It takes yes. people a long time to get to that. Yeah, place. but at the same time, you can currently have to be doing really great work that you're proud of and that you think is really good. Right. Like the whole time I was doing all that stuff, I was. Aggressively trying to do really good stand up and just be the best right. dude doing stand up, you right. know, like, and that's why the other shit falls in your lap, you know. Yep. That's, I mean, it really goes back to that thing Eugene said, like, you be know, funny. if you just kill, like, people notice, like, you, they're gonna want you around, like, yeah. you know. I mean, you talk about Hannibal, like, killing in the right place or whatever, but look, in New York, like, you look in the past couple of years, like, who was killing harder than Hannibal, like. Right. Nobody. Nobody. I, and I, and, like, consistently, and like, who, Hannibal goes up more than, like, any dude. Like, he, he does sets all the time. Like, yeah. he, he rarely, like, takes yeah. rest, and that's why he's so good. He was homeless, so he could do comedy. Yeah. yeah. So it's he like, you know, he, I think, I really believe, like, if you, like, focus, like, all right, I'm just going to fucking be right. a killer stand-up, people will take notice. Even Louis, like, all right, when did he, like, kind of get his big break with his FX show. It's when he kind of just said, you know what, Like this, I did this HBO thing, didn't work, I'm just going to go on the road and become this fucking monster stand-up. And I remember I talked to someone like around that time, and they were like, yeah, like Louis is going to fucking just really go hard on stand-up and try to be like really fucking good stand-up. And that's when like people were like, oh shit, like, right. you know, let's try to get this guy to do this. Right, because you know? it's undeniable. Yeah, that's another thing I've always liked about stand-up is it's, it's undeniable. Yeah, it's, you can't you really can like come and watch it. I was at some like I was at like when they did the Aspen Comedy Festival. I remember I did that and, and like uh, it was like their version of the New Faces thing or whatever. And I did it and and, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, because someone could come here who's like an executive or manager, or whatever. Sure. And even if they don't like it, you can't really deny that someone's good or that they've got something that's connecting with people. Because look at all these people doing it. All these other that's people are fucking laughing at my the, what the dude said. Breaks for not that might be a, a little overstatement, but actors can't like come eight o'clock, eight and ten o'clock. I'll be acting like it's very like you, maybe yeah. you're in a play or something. But for most people, aren't in plays. And then you have to get them to watch something. You have to, and, and, and it's not in the theater with other people crying or laughing. Yeah, I don't know how people do it as a, just a pure actor. I, I don't get it either. And you want it to, like, holding up and waiting for the phone to ring, whereas, like you were saying, you can go out and do stand-up any night. If you feel yourself getting rusty, you can drop... The actor equivalent would be there's a play that's always happening, and you can drop in and do a guest role and just not get rusty at acting. Yeah, and no one, no matter what happens in in my career, like I could never get another acting part. I'll, I'll always still have stand up. I can always like right. put together a new hour of material, or I can just do like one huge tour where I just do all the material and right. piss everybody off and yeah. not do any tours. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I never do that, obviously. But uh, sure. yeah, you know, but you can always I... just kind of work on that in your bubble and like, you know, last last hiatus I had from Parks, like there was no real movie things that really excited me and and uh, nothing. Um, None of the projects I was working on really were, uh, had come together or anything. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do a big tour. I'm just going to do like my best tour. This is my favorite material. I'm just going to do my biggest tour of my favorite material I've ever done. And I'm just going to do that. And I don't have to ask anybody about it. I don't have to take notes from anybody about it. I yeah. can make it exactly what I want. And, and, and that was really gratifying. Yeah. 
Isn't it wonderful to get to that point where like stand up, your dream career then becomes your f- not just your dream career, but also the thing that saves you from doing shitty things in your other career. Like John Stewart will never have to worry if they wanted to cancel him or something and be out of their mind. But if they wanted to, he could just go and do theaters for the rest of his life. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, you know, if you're just a movie actor or something, like let's say I just acted, then it's like, well, shit, man, like I need some money. Like I might need to just do this movie to right. get, get a check. Right. But I don't ever have to do that because I can just do stand-up, which I'll always – I'll stand behind whatever I'm doing. I don't have to compromise anything because, right. you know – it's not a KFC a, commercial. It's yeah. It's like kind of like um, it's very uh, very cool thing that as a stand-up you get to have uh, in your back pocket. Yeah, like, the ability to tour or whatever. Let's go. We I love. It's been a while since we've talked this much comedy, and I really appreciate that. Let's talk about sex or relationships. It's comedy. Sure. Comedy, sex, God is the three things we usually talk about on the show. I. Would love to talk to you about dating uh, and uh, that sort of stuff. I know when I watch you and I've watched you over the years, you have bits. You had Aziz on Sorry Punched a Wall. <laughs> Very old, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. old. You punched a wall over a girl. <laughs> Back in those days when I was watching you start, a bulk of your material, I remember, was like, I remember you had one where you were like, and then I go home and cry. No, you don't think you sound like that. But <laughs> no one thinks I sound like that. <laughs> And I go home and cry. That's and me. And I went home and cried. <laughs> I got to put my hand up to do it. But you had a lot of stuff about like. Oh, yeah, I remember that. But people yeah, people think I fuck girls, or people think like even now. I think you have some newer stuff that's like girls don't reply to my texts or whatever. I would love to just talk. What is your outlook on dating? What is your philosophy oh. or approach? Um, well, first off, I mean, I think if you're a comedian, it's always more interesting to talk about your failures and that stuff sure. than any successes. Um, yeah, nobody wants but, to hear. Uh, like. But, like, you know, I think it's really – right now what I've been writing about is um, kind of um, uh, – just kind of how technology has kind of weaseled its way into our romantic interactions in such a strange way, like how you have to deal with all this stuff, like – Oh, how long do I wait before I text this person? Like, how oh, long, sh- yeah. this person didn't write back. What does that mean? Like, you know, all this weird stuff has kind of really shoehorned its way in. So I kind of took this one moment where, like, oh, okay, you take a moment, like, let's say you meet someone you really like, and uh, then you text them to do something and you don't hear back or something. Yes. Like, that, okay, so you take that moment. That's like a moment. Everyone's had some version mm-hmm. of that moment. So let's take that moment and just totally. like ex- explode it. Like, what is it? What does that mean? Like, okay, well, first off, it's like frustrating. You have to even deal with like texting and things like that. Yes, you know that that I, that that's that's what everyone deals with now. Uh, so you talk about like just that, how frustrating that is. What was it like before? You know, texting was even a thing. Like, when it, what would it be like if we just had face to face interactions? Would that right. make things like so much easier? Would it be like really hard to blow people off then? Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, or you know, I'm like trying to just talk about the premises, and not give away the jokes. Sure, you're like, yo, man, this isn't that funny. It's like, no, there's there's, there's, there's jokes. I saw you a month ago. And you did this. You did this premise. <laughs> um, or then I started writing about like, okay, well, what about like in the future? Like, what if we had like time travel? Like, what if you could clone someone? Like, what if you could meet a girl? It's like she rejects you, and then you just clone her. <laughs> you just go out with the clone. Yeah. Um, or you do go out with some, like, virtual representation of that somehow. What if you really could go out with someone's clone, though? Like, what yeah. if 
there would just be one dude who was I I think there would just be like one dude who every woman would be like well that's like the one good dude and then everyone would just date that dude oh my god <laughs> you're like, right oh, you don't have a Chris yet yeah. <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get a Chris that's he's the only great. good one he's the only good dude he's the only good dude and every other guy's just fucks like man he's like clean he's like <laughs> reads all the time <laughs> I can't compete with Chris <laughs> that is great yeah so, so that, that's the kind of stuff I've been writing about but it all comes from that one moment of like you know not getting a text that, yeah that fucking everyone's gone through that and it's such a universal thing and so i've been doing this thing you, you saw on the um you saw on the show at uh at bonnaroo i i would do this kind of not necessarily like i not necessarily crowd work but more just kind of like talking to people like almost interviewing them about like their marriage proposals or mm-hmm. asking them about different things so i i found that to be really interesting I would do that when I was when I was writing material for the Buried Alive tour. Like I would talk about online dating and things like that. So I, I I have no experience with that. So I would ask people in the audience to tell me their experiences and things like that. So those experiences kind of became like almost research for for the bits. And then when I did the theater tour, I was like, oh man, that that kind of talking to people in the audience was really fun. It made every show kind of unique. I wish I could translate that into the tour show. And and uh, I was like, wow, would that be doable in the theater? But it worked out. I would just pick someone in the front row and I would, you know, talk to them about their um, marriage proposal and things like that, and figured out a way to make it work even in a big room. And and so I was like, well, this one, what I've been doing so far is like I've been talking about texting stuff, and then I was asked, like, is, is anyone going through an experience like this where you know maybe you're in the early phases of dating someone or you've liked someone you haven't asked them out yet? Usually, someone's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then I'll just like read through their text, and it's so – it's the most fascinating thing to see like, okay, what does the guy first text? When does he text? How long does she wait before she writes back? And it's such an yeah, interesting insight. Yeah. And yeah, and it's it's great like whenever you – whenever uh, it's a girl because then I'll just be like, all right, well, why didn't you text him back right there? What happened? Like why? why, why? Yeah. Is it because and they're waiting? So, all sorts of things. Sometimes people are like, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, seem I don't want to, yeah, I seem too eager. Other times, like, oh, that, oh, I ended up meeting up with this other person. But it's like, wow, that's an amazing thing because that guy would kill to ask these same questions. Because you're always just wondering, like, well, what the fuck? Who, what, what's going on in that person's head? Why yeah. didn't they, yeah. you know, what, what happened? It's vulnerable. Are you like a romantic guy, like a sensitive person? Does this stuff work you up? Um, like if a girl doesn't reply to your text, does that hurt you maybe more? Like that's the, I, I think I have a pretty exposed heart, and I can get fucked up pretty easily. Yeah, I mean, to an extent, yeah. Like, uh, do you have a hard time with girls in the same way that a lot of the comedians I talk to in that we overthink, we, we think about the future, we worry if we can put up with a certain quirk, kind of like Seinfeld, sheets or peas one at a time? Yeah, I mean, I think those are just like, uh, you know, just I don't think those are necessarily endemic just to comedians. I think that's uh, I think it's everybody, you know. But yeah, I, I, it's people I mean, in their whole, heads. I think it's hard to meet someone you really, really like. I think that's hard. Yeah, to meet someone that you really connect with, I, and that's what I talk a lot about in the the last chunk of that show of the one you saw Bonner, the Buried Alive show. It's about it's like, you know, where do you meet someone? I feel like there's so much, you know, the the kind of three kind of like, uh, I guess kind of general statements that kind of fuel all the comedy it's like where do you meet someone like where are you supposed to meet someone at a bar like i feel like there's all this riffraff at bars yeah you know what are you supposed to do like online dating like maybe that's more an efficient thing you know i could never do that i don't think but i was just gonna say at this level at the walk down the street photograph level 
because I've thought about online dating, and then I was like, that's really embarrassing. What if it's like, that's that, that's that, I saw that guy on TV or whatever. Mm-hmm. That's much less true. I see you on planes and shit, you know what I mean? Always flying, see you on the, on the, on the TV. Uh, there couldn't be an Aziz page. You could put a friend's picture. That'd be so weird. I know. And then, and then uh, when you start emailing back and forth, go like, it's really me, Aziz. It's me, Aziz. <laughs> But this is what I this is what I was talking about on the show. Like, why is there a stigma? Look, I see what you're saying. Like, um, if you're like a public figure, yeah, you can't really do it. But like, right. if you're not, why is it an embarrassing thing? Why is there still a stigma? Like, because you ask the same people, like, would you meet someone at a bar? They're always like, yeah, why not? And online dating is the same thing. It's just like a different interface. Right. You know? It's just a different people interface. People would think it's a parody account, though. <laughs> what, like, if, it was, if it was a public person? If it were you, people would go like, yeah, that's, that's a different not thing. really him. Yeah, that's a different thing. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. yeah. For that reason. So wh- where do you meet? Well, the, like the, not the last person, but go a couple people back. Who, where did you meet this person? Um, or who you do know, you meet just people friend, to date? Fr- fr- Friends of friends or just randomly out or whatever, you know? You just meet people because yeah. I have the same questions as you. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know where to. I meet mean, people. I think you have a higher percentage of. I mean, I think you have a better chance with friends of friends or things like that than just like at a bar. Yeah. Well, at a bar, it's you're, you know you're in trouble if you're like, oh, that they, they ended up being a scuzz bag. Where did you meet them? At a bar. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like you don't you don't want to meet someone at the Ye Rustic necessarily. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> you know that's that's the, yeah. But you know, I know you know I know friends of mine that are great women that like go to bars and stuff. Sure, you know? of course, but of not course. necessarily you know Wednesday at two in the morning. <laughs> But the thing is, you're a comedian. You're like, you're we up late, and you're, and you're just like, oh, it's fucking one. Let's go get a drink. I just had a set. I'm like really wired. Yeah. Would you date a fan? Would I date a fan? Yeah, um, the upside to that, they they know your work. They love your work. They're they're already okay. When you say fan, though, you kind of uh, there's a difference between like I mean, ah! yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, someone who was introduced to you because they came to a show and they liked your specials and that sort of stuff. So they weren't coming in like a nut. But they were... Fan implies, like, uh, I guess fan has kind of, I mean... Not a fangirl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that a was, fan. That, that seems a little scary. Yeah, I think that would be probably a bad idea. But, like, you know, Marin, this always comes up on the show, is Marin uh, found his girlfriend because of his podcast. Um, it's crossed my mind that somebody could know me so well from this show. Would that freak me out or would that be a good thing? People know your work so well. They know, they know a certain percentage of your personality. They could listen to this show. They know about your family. They know your cousin. They know your father. Little bits and pieces. And then they come in kind of already briefed. Mm-hmm. It's, it seems like the ship might have sailed on you or possibly me to meet somebody and just be like, well, I'm from Boston. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I meet people and they don't know my whole... Spiel, you know. What yeah, I mean? and you like that? You're into that? I mean, either way, like if you meet someone that is familiar with your work, no one's like, I've never went out with someone and they're like, pull out like a Parks and Recs DVD for me to sign or right, something. Right, you know right. what I mean? Right, like right, people right. are cool. Like you know, you go out with someone, and people people are chill. You know? Do you, Do you want to get married, kids, that sort of thing? I don't know. I mean, you saw the show. That's all I had to talk about. I mean, I I think at some point I'll get married, kids. I, you know, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't know, like. Then you see, like, you know, like, Amy uh, Poehler, like, brings her kids to work sometimes, and, like, those kids are so adorable and so cool, and it's like, oh, wow, like, this is, this this could be really great. Mm-hmm. But then you think, like, oh, man, there's also, like, people I know that have kids that just feel like they never get to do anything, and they're just, like, 
stuck with their kids and it has kind of like put a big damper on a, a big part of their life. Right. So I don't really know. I think all that stuff will get answered when I you, when you. I think all that stuff kind of falls into place whenever you uh, whenever you meet the person that you're really uh, in love with to a level that you'd want to even explore. I think then you kind of figure that stuff out with that person. Right. I Again, I don't think about things like yeah. that far ahead. I think about the next couple months. That's like, good. You know? So you shouldn't have an answer to that. Yeah. Are you you enjoy being? Are you single now? You're single. Mm-hmm. You enjoy it. Yeah, I do. I always wonder if you get like tips from Kanye or something. I'm oh like, God. I know that's so weird, but I'm just like, oh, I wonder brother. if Aziz has these hip hop influences being no. like, just uh, just <laughs> get it wet at some party. Oh my God! Constantly bikinis and oh my God! You should edit this out for your own, for your own self. <laughs> oh Is there any any of that? I mean, like, no. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. If I was friends with Kanye, he, he oh, we don't have to talk about Kanye. He one time came to Meltdown. I wanted to ask him to do the show so badly. He, probably, he came to Meltdown? He was just shopping for comic books. Yeah, oh, really? Oh, wow. Well. I texted you that, right? Yeah, you were the one that told me he was there. And I was like, see, that's one of those moments. I was like, ugh. Go up and be like, hey, want to do this? Po- Why would he want to do a podcast? <laughs> you were going to ask him to do the podcast? Oh, I didn't even think about it. Like, I, it, it flared up in my mind and immediately. He'd be great to have on podcast. He's, he, he loves to talk and he has interesting things to say. Would he do it? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll forward him this and then he'll be like, I would have done it until he asked you that thing about crunk juice and bikinis. Well, good, man. I, ho- I hope you find something. Let's, let's go into God then. We've, we've, this is already Wait, been. so what, what is your relationship status right now? Are you seeing someone? I'm or? single. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm a single man. Mm-hmm. And I grew up kind where of... Where do pure- you meet women that you... Because I, like I, I feel like I go out more than you do. So where... where like, I don't see you... At, or maybe we go out yeah, in no, circles. I, so I, where do you meet, like, uh, women that you Like, it's the with? holiday season, and there, there was, like, the Conan party, the Funny or Die party. All these parties are So happening. the holiday parties, yeah, sure. I don't like those, though. Okay, even I can if, see that, even yeah. Even if I know the people there. I, I sometimes don't... I don't like going to things like that sometimes. And I get there I and go I, because it's like, well, I'm trying to get my... I'm not gonna, you know, like... Uh, like, I was texting with someone, like... Uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine. Uh, I, I, you know, it was. It was uh, uh, who was? Uh, oh, it was, te- it was Chelsea. Actually, I was texting with Chelsea, and uh, and we were like, "Oh, well, we should go." You know, who knows? Uh, the you know, the love of my life could be there. And we were like, "Well, uh, he's definitely not at the house. Like, he's <laughs> they're, they're, ah, they're never they're, the love of your life is never at your house. The house. <laughs> they're never in your house waiting for you." That's so funny. So you gotta kind of go out sometimes. I was people. at the Conan party. Mm-hmm. And somebody was like, oh, you're single, you got to meet this girl. Mm-hmm. She's, she works for us. But then, like, immediately, for better or worse, I'm like, well, that person works... Okay, so it's like Conan people. And I'm like, well, that person works for you, and, like, I do stuff with them. And then, like, I'm already in the future where, like, what if we break up? And then, like... It, like oh, I can't think that far ahead. I can't stop thinking that far ahead. It's stupid. Things don't get that awkward, though, do they? I mean, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, I guess not. But I, I bet parties would be a good place to meet. I no, mean, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Inter- yeah, but where... Wait, weren't you on a, were you on a date that time? I, I drove by Little Dom's and yelled yeah, out the window? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was yell on out? a date. Um, that, that was, uh, I met that girl on a podcast. I was doing someone else's podcast. Okay, so you're she, out on this date. You guys were leaving Little Dom's. Yeah. And, and you drove I did, by. I drove by and just went, yo, Pete Holmes, you're hilarious. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. In a weird voice like that. Yep. And just, just skirted off. <laughs> yep. That was awesome. That... <laughs> 
And then you texted me I and was said like, so like Thank thanks you. for that. Yeah. And I was like, don't text while you're on this date, you dummy. <laughs> <laughs> that was I remember that being I know you're doing it to be funny, but I was like, that's kind of cool. I mean, like, she, she was like, was that a season song? Oh, she recognized yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to be a mysterious dude that just had a Prius. No, nope, she, <laughs> she knew who it was. That same night, uh, Johnny Ham was at the bar. So it was like this. Johnny Ham? Oh, Hamm. my God. Johnny Ham. <laughs> Johnny Ham. <laughs> So it was Who a big, calls him Johnny? No one. No. I would never call him Johnny Ham to his uh, to his face. But it was a big night of like... Uh, oh, Pete, Pete's a man about town. Man about town, spinning McCain. Pete, Pete knows the dudes that live in Los Feliz. That's right. <laughs> Do you go to Little Dom's? Yeah. I know you. I know you pretty good. Some then, girl I was hanging out with was like, every guy takes her and her friends out to Little Dom's or uh, Moza. She's like, every day. Oh, every yeah. Me and it. Me and every girl I know every day. It's we went to, that. Me and that girl went to Son of a Gun. Have you been to Son of a Gun? Yeah, yeah. That was, I, th- I thought I picked some pretty decent places. No, those are both good places. You know what was interesting about that girl was that. Like, what happened with that? Did it, you guys just go out a couple times? And then- yeah, we went out just for a little bit, and then and then ultimately uh, it, it, it wasn't uh, to be or whatever. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to say that sensitively. She's wonderful, but like it was interesting to me to see how quickly I was ready to like give up. Um, being single like being single is nice but then like I met somebody and I was like oh maybe this is a person and then I get so carried away and then like I'm just so ready to be in a relationship again all of a sudden if I think the person is is the right person you know what I mean and then over time you, you figure out are we the right people for each other or whatever and in, and in that case it didn't work out but there is that longing in me where you're like you see the pattern when you're a baby you see your parents and that's like somewhere in your code you're like oh i saw that happening mm-hmm. and i want that so as much um as it is fun to be like oh i don't know who i'm going to meet uh t- to be frank i don't know who i'm going to have sex with there could be sex happening uh that's all interesting that's the wild west it's an open frontier it's the range it's it's interesting then you're also like the second i'm kind of like Oh, maybe I could eat uh, Ben and Jerry's and like some sort of fleece socks with this girl. Then I'm like, that sounds better. I think I'd rather do that. I love caving it up. I love holding it up. I yeah. love, I love love. I like commitment. All that stuff is is interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't love going out and stuff. I'd rather like, I started cooking a bunch. Like, I would rather like just like cook at home, like yeah. make some cocktails at home and like just chill out, do exactly. nothing, watch Alien. watch a movie, yeah. Yeah, I'd much rather do that than go to some loud bar or something. Well, that goes back to the social element of our work. That this is where the podcast started. Was I get so much of that going outedness in my work? Sure. You go to the bar to perform, and to me, that's the perfect expression of going to a bar. There's a limited time where I'm on stage and I get the attention <laughs> that I need. Not to be weird, but I, I do enjoy that. Yeah. And then you get off and you socialize, and then you, and then but then like going home and. Either having the girl with you or going home to the girl or whatever. I, I do like that stuff. But I don't know. Got to meet, meet the person you want to do that with. I know. And, and it's weird. I, I just wrote this down. I don't know if it will be a bit or not. But, like, you meet somebody. And if you're me – and I need to learn how to be in the moment more like – actually, to be frank, more like you. Be in the moment because I meet somebody. And then what happens is, is you're coming into this thing and both of you have different ideas of what a relationship is. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not talking about the most recent girl, by the way. This is just in general. You both have an idea of what a relationship is. Where you got that, who knows? Movies, music, your parents, past experiences. So you're coming in with like this mismatch. Both of you call that a relationship, but they look very dissimilar, even though they're both the same thing if you pull out far enough and look at it from a, a distance. And then you hope that that person 
is everything you want them to be. Uh, let's say that they don't do heroin. You know, okay. you, what I've learned. So that's on your list. I hope she doesn't do heroin. Yeah. So if I go out with you and you seem like you don't do heroin, I'm going to go ahead and fill that in. I'm going to be like, she doesn't do heroin. I'll fill in the blanks. I'll fill in a lot of blanks. And then I'll start getting carried away. And then what happens is you start getting your heart broken in little bits when you Means find they out. they don't fill it, fit in certain things. Like. Exactly. Oh, I don't. Uh, heroin's like a big music one. Or like exactly. the same movies. As same music. movie. You're like, I bet this girl likes the same movies. I bet this girl likes the same music. Those are little ones. Those are little, also on the same form as heroin. Yeah. But then, like. But a collection of those little ones is a big thing. Of course. But it's kind of unfair that you started filling out that paperwork without them anyway. But that's what happens. I get carried away and I get love. And then, like. Then, so the relationship you want is this mold, and then you have this person, and you really want them to fit in that mold. Mm-hmm. And then I'm trying to fit them in that mold, and they start like putting a limb out, or like a toe, or you know, an arm. And yeah. I'm like, get in the fucking thing. And they won't fit, which is wrong. This is not a good thing that I'm doing. And then to make it work, I lube up the rim of that mold with alcohol. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I try, yeah. and, and that helps them get in. Because yeah. when you're lit, Suddenly the person is what you want. Or, your mold or is very dr- malleable. Yeah, your mold is malleable. And then you sober up sometimes a month or two into the thing, maybe six months into the thing, and then you're like, oh, I should have just been more honest and upfront at the beginning. Uh, because now I, I've shoved you into this mold you don't belong in with the thanks of Tito's handmade vodka. <laughs> and then you're just like, and now I have to break up with you. Or you have to break up with me. Because one of us fucked up. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, no, I think people do that. I mean, you kind of have your kind of, um, yeah, I know people that kind of have like this kind of ideal person in their head, but yeah, people, unless your parameters are pretty broad, people are going to fail that mold test. It's, it's, it's similar to career aspirations. If they're too specific, you'll know, like if you were like, I want to be on an office-esque network show on NBC. I remember this is real quick. I remember there was like a last comic standing uh thing I watched once where a guy was like uh he was talking about like his dream was like I'm gonna have a sitcom. It's gonna be about my family. It's gonna air Fridays at eight o'clock. Yeah. I was like, you even have the time slot yeah, yeah, in your yeah, dream? Are yeah. you insane? Yeah, like that you can't, insane. that's crazy. That, and you, you can't have these but like like you said, if I set out with that goal what are the chances of that happening? Right. Like, I just got really lucky and like, oh, I happened to be done with Human Giant at a time right. when this show came together. A better goal Otherwise, would be... And like, you know, that, that, that show, um, you know, it definitely got, because it was like Amy Poehler and because it was Greg and Mike, you know, it went six episodes but it kept going. If, if it wasn't Greg and Mike, if it wasn't Amy, who knows? That show may have been canceled right away. But yeah. because it had those people, it stayed on and it got to grow <laughs> and we've gotten to do a lot of them. I think, like, when you're doing this kind of stuff, for me, like, look, there's no advice, like, to really give anybody about this stuff. You know, everyone figures shit out on their own, and what I'm saying worked for me, but might not work for other people. But I, and people may do what I say is, is, is a good thing to do, and nothing ever happens or whatever. But I think if you just set your goal as, I want to do great stuff that I'm proud of, that my friends will like, and that people I respect will enjoy, Yes. then good things will come your way, and you'll get to do something interesting. In that parameter. If you just say, like, I just want to do good stuff. 
Yes. That's all I want to do now. That's so all I want to do now. How, so it's like, okay. How do we flip that to a girl, though? Because what I was trying to say was it's too specific oh. to say I want to be on a sitcom. And it's, maybe it's too specific to say I want someone that likes the same music as me. Dang, I don't know. I just think you say you, I just I want, just want some good stuff. I just want someone that uh, I, whose company I enjoy and that I uh, yeah. I mean, loyalty, laughter, lust. Those are the big ones. You know, I just enjoy being like. To me, it's less about like oh, we like the same music and movies and stuff. That, that stuff helps. Like any kind of common interest helps. Sure. To me, like, I like girls where I'm just with them and, like, I feel like I could just talk to them forever and I don't have to think about what I'm going to say or anything and we're just both making each other laugh really hard and it's just uh, yes. a lot of fun. And it doesn't really matter where we are. It doesn't matter what we're doing, but somebody that you very easy going do. and then, you know, we're just having a lot of fun just doing whatever, you right. know? So there's no, I guess my mold is this is very vague, <laughs> weird thing, but... um yeah, I think any kind of when you're being specific, I th- I think like yeah, n- um, just try to enjoy. If you just enjoy the moment, without thinking too much about the future, then your moments will be really uh, fun, and that will become what your future is. Right? Does that make sense? Yes, it does. But what happens if? Because uh, I will ignore things that would be red flags for other people. Uh, like drug use or um, someone who uh, smokes or drinks too much or uh, – those are typical things mm. that you might not want. Wait, but where do you meet people like – let's say you said the holiday party, but where, where else? Like I'm just trying to think like uh, – uh, Well, that girl was the podcast. The girl before that, I met her at the improv mm-hmm. at a bar. So it was a bar. <laughs> a comedy club. A comedy club. I was performing and she was just hanging out there. She had been at the show before. The girl before that was a comedian. The girl before that – I met her was a friend of a friend, and the girl before that was my ex-wife. And I met her. We went to school together. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't have a good uh, list. But aren't there days, Aziz, don't you wake up some days and you're like, I could meet someone anywhere. Like, there's days you, where you, you just... You, the bit, you, the, uh, not to, like, go back to my show, but, like, the... Um the bit I did about the guy just meeting his wife, like leaving Bed Bath & Beyond or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is the most insane thing in the world. Yes. That... Oh, he found happiness in his life, right? Because he went to Bed Bath and Beyond one right. afternoon. Right, right, right. What if he didn't go? I know, I know. Dead, unhappy. Who knows? Well, actually, one of those people that I just mentioned, I met at a party around the holidays that I really didn't want to go to. Yeah, and so, I think about stuff of, like that all the time. And one of my friends was like, "You gotta go. You're 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 depressing me. You're not going out. You gotta go out." And I went out and Scary. I met somebody. And then the next year and a half of my life was very different if I hadn't gone to that party. Yeah, casual decisions can have fantastic Huge. consequences. <laughs> I, yeah, Jesus Christ, what are we doing? Yeah, uh, but then there are some. You know, there are some days when I'm just full of it. Like you, you ever just feel like alive and alert and funny, and my brain is working, and anxiety is very low life seems magical and i just go out <laughs> Are those days when you take like a bunch of ecstasy <laughs> ah, that just happens that, that happens natural ecstasy occasionally it'll happen maybe one day a month mm-hmm. and then i'm like i could anybody i could date anybody today and that's an exciting time but you know a lot of times people that i'll be interested in people on shoots people on uh you know shows that you're working on mm-hmm. stuff like that people you meet at shows stuff like that but you know 
Because then I'm like, oh, maybe I'll meet somebody at a yoga class. And then, again, I'm like, well, they, I want them to be into yoga, but I don't want them to be too into yoga. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I get so fucking stupid. Uh, I, you know, I'm, try, yeah, I'm trying to say really to myself. if someone's yoga, like, who cares? I know. Well put. Who cares? Who, who's, who, 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 what girl's like, I want a guy that's really into comedy. <laughs> right. <know>? Ah. <laughs> like, that's your job, but that doesn't, uh, you know, that doesn't mean she has to get on board with comedy and start a podcast and stuff. Like Disease, man. You got some wisdom in you. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I have no answers. I, I, but that, isn't I'll that... confidently give out advice sometimes, but I, uh, I have no answers. That's so funny. I was one time giving Kroll advice, and I said, you got to remember, this is advice from a coward. And he was like, that's that's a show. <laughs> that's, a, that's a title, advice from a coward. Yeah, I, I'll constantly tell like, dude, oh, no, you shouldn't text that, or you shouldn't right. do this, but I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Right. I'm, you know, I sometimes know I'm doing things that are wrong. But I just do them because I just don't want to play those games or whatever. Or like I just don't. I don't know. I just get. You mean you'll be too overt? You'll be too direct? Yeah, or like, yeah, I guess. I don't know. But why? Why be coy? Why be cute about it? Because that that stuff. I I think psychologically we're built in a way to where you want what you can't have. Like, I was talking to this girl, um, she's a friend of mine, she was like, she said, like, this guy had been, like, texting her all the time to go out, blah, 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 hitting her up all the time, she didn't want to really go out with him, and then one night, he just happened to catch her on a night where she was, like, really tired, she wanted to get a drink, so she was like, sure, I'll meet you for a drink, she's like, we actually didn't have that bad a time, then he took me out to dinner, um, uh, the next day, and then we went on this long walk, got to know each other, and I was really into him, and so then I called him, and said, like, hey, when can I see you again? Left a voicemail, like, hey, when can I see you again? Blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and then um, he didn't call her back. He, like, texted her and said, like, hey, sorry, I was busy at this thing, blah, blah, blah. And then she was like, oh, no worries. Uh, how was your weekend? And, like, he didn't write back. And it had been, like, a few days. And, hmm. like, she's like, I've been going crazy. And I was like, this, this, this illustrates, like, what's so frustrating to me about how our minds work. The only reason she's like going crazy and like thinking about him all the time is because she he's been dissonant, has not said anything. Right. If he was on top of her and being very loving and nice, she wouldn't care because well, that's how he was in the beginning, and mm-hmm. she was blowing him off all the time. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the same reason he was very loving and everything is because she was giving him nothing, so he was just, just kept texting and like trying to figure out. And right. then once she was somewhat loving to him. He became really distant. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's just like there we're we're. Frustratingly attracted but, to this yeah. distance. Have you seen? So it doesn't come together. When does that come together? <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen Dow of Steve? No. You should watch Dow of Steve. There's this great scene that destroyed me after my divorce because I realized it was a key factor in why I got divorced. Was he was like women are like hunters and they want to catch something exotic like a, a lion or a tiger or a puma. They don't want a puppy dog that's just like so excited that you came home that you shit yourself. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can't just be like, oh, I love you, I love you. You have to withhold, not withhold, but you you should be exciting. It should be like a thrill that they got you and then it should be a thrill that you're sticking around. It can't just be constant texting and I love you, boo-boo, and boo-boo, and boo-boo, <laughs> Yeah, that's what, but that's annoying. I wish we weren't built that way. I wish you, you were... I know. You know. We want them when they don't want us. As soon as they do, feelings change. Eminent. This is the thing I was wondering about... Also hip-hop. Oh, I was wondering this. Do you think like now because we're so much more um, 
you're so much more accessible with your cell phone and stuff that more people can be kind of pursuing you and and it's less of a big deal of when course. someone likes you. Yeah, you don't have to send a letter by post or something. You can be like, what's up, Aziz? Yeah, but I mean like <laughs> – so if you're like this – like let's say you're this attractive girl in New York or LA or wherever. In the past, would there be less – in the past, I think there would be less suitors that actually had a shot because you could only find this girl in person. Right. But now there could be like a hundred guys. Yeah. Texas of course. Person. Of course. It used to be like a very special thing. Like, oh, this person likes me. You lived in the same neighborhood with the beautiful girl. <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm just saying like you, your families knew each other. You had an in. Yeah. Now you just need a phone number or a Facebook ad. Yeah. But I'm saying, but for that girl, what used to be a special thing of like, oh, this guy likes me. It's now there's like a hundred guys who, who can text her because she's an accessible person. Mm-hmm. You can very casually dismiss people that... It's just interesting to me, like how when someone like likes you, that's like kind of a special thing. They're you know they're like, oh, I'd like to spend time with you, right? And now, if you're like an attractive guy or a girl, you can have like thirty, forty people like hitting you up all the time, right? right. And then you're just like dismissing like twenty nine people. So you hang all out those with people had a very special feeling for you at some at some level, and you just boom. Yeah. Knocked off 29 people yeah. And then picked this one person That you wanted to spend time with Or whatever Right And it's just, it's just a weird thing That like You can just casually dismiss people Because you're so accessible and, now. But it also cheapens The person that you went out with Like if you don't have A great time with that person Then maybe you go You dip into the 29 <laughs> Like you go back To that other person And then that person Gets pushed down To the, the have-nots Wait, you're saying that So you're the one That I, I'm the hot girl You have girl, way more choice And I pick you And then we go out I'm like, that was alright but then the next night I could go to any of the other ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that's the other problem is I, I, I'm like so indecisive about everything. Well, this is the thing. This I don't know if I've said this on the show, but I've been talking about it a lot in life. Is they did? The, I think I said it on the show. They did this study where they had five paintings, and they were like, "You can pick one of these paintings, uh, but and that's the painting you get. We're going to give it to you, and that's the one you get. And then I give you the painting. You pick the painting, and I give it to you. It's in a frame. It's beautiful. And then I say, "Will you rank how much you like this painting?" In the study, you would rank it like an eight or a nine. You would love that painting. Now, if I did the same thing, five paintings, and I say, you can pick one of these paintings, and in a month, you can trade it in for another painting, one of the other paintings, if you, if you change your mind. It's okay. You can do that indefinitely. You can always swap it for a different painting. After I let you pick your painting, the, one, the first one you're going to go with, I have you rank the painting. You're going to give it like a five or a six. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea that like, if you're stuck with the one other good-looking person in your school, in your neighborhood, in your circle of life, you'll be so much more into them than as opposed to the girl with 30 other dudes she could be texting. She'll be less into that Choice person. creates a problem. Choice, we do badly. I read similar studies to that. I, I have a theory about comedians in particular that we're inherently very indecisive, and that's why we do stand-up, because it's very decisive. Hmm. You do a joke and you get a laugh. That worked. Mm-hmm. It's more decisive than a movie or anything. Because, like, if you act in a movie, you don't really know if when someone watching it is laughing at it right. or whether it worked. Right. I mean, I guess if you, like, win we all need these to awards see the and stuff. Right away. This is like, boom, I said it, it worked. Boom, I said it, it worked. Right. You know, it's the most clear cut job. <coughs> yes. Period. Reward right away. More clear line of success than any job I can think of. Yep. 
What other job where you immediately know if what you did is good? Yeah, if you're a painter, what immediately it do you get months? Where else? When else do you immediately get the feedback? Boom. Yep. That Nothing. was great. You get Nothing. Ev- people get evaluated what once a quarter at a job. Yeah. So it's so if you're very indecisive, that's a very like clear cut. Mm-hmm. Keeps you in it. Yeah, it's a weird thing. Do you find most comedians are indecisive? Are you pretty indecisive? I'm having a hard time understanding what you mean by indecis- indecisive linking to the wanting of the gratification right away. I, I'm just like indecisive in general about everything. Where should I eat lunch? Like, you know, right. what, where should I, you know, You know what's interesting? Anything. I, fi- I found that as I get older, uh, the decisiveness is a quality that you can uh, foster, that you can increase. Sure. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've you be- can. I've become a little bit better at it because like, for example, breaking up with somebody, that's a big one. Uh, my therapist and I talked about that. If you break up with somebody, is there a chance that you will miss them and regret it? Yes. And you have to do it anyway because you're, you're, you're 70% thinking you should break up with them, 30% thinking maybe you'll miss them and, and don't want to break up with them. But for the most part, you, you have to be decisive and go like, it's completely possible that I'll regret doing this or it's completely possible that I'll regret eating what I chose or whatever it is. And we, part of being a grown-up is going like, that's a pain that I'm going to have to deal with yeah, yeah. and I will deal with it. And I will be decisive, and I'm going to make these choices. And people that listen to the show a lot know I'm going to say this. It's, it's linked to testosterone. Your testo- I, have you ever had your testosterone check? Mine's somewhat low, and I am indecisive. And I heard there was this great NPR episode about testosterone that I recommend you listen to just for fun. Part of it is about how people with less testosterone tend to be more indecisive mm-hmm. because that guy that's just like, meet now, we go here – High testosterone guy, muscly, probably bald. You know what I mean? Like those are also things of testosterone. Greg Fitzsimmons, our bald friend, Greg Fitzsimmons, really decisive. I bet he's got testosterone through the roof. Guys like us, uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah, I should just go to a therapist, but just talk about my lunch troubles. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably really indicative of. A, of <laughs> do you not go to therapy? No, I've never been. Oh, you should go. You would love it. Yeah. Oh, you'd love it. It's so integral. It's so huge. It's huge. You would love it. Yeah, it should. I'll give you. I'll give you my guy if you want. He sees a lot of comics now that I keep turning them <laughs> on to other comics, but he's the best. Uh, anyway, let's let's end with God. Are you are you happy with the relationship part? Yeah, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was very interesting. I let's end with God. Um, where what's going on? <laughs> my question is. What's, you know why I want Kanye on the show? I would love to talk to him about God specifically because it's very interesting to me that on one hand he – there's something very beautiful actually about how he'll rap about being addicted to money, women, and booze. And then he'll also rap about needing Jesus. Mm-hmm. And when I was growing up religious, I would be like, well, this guy's full of shit. And now I'm like, I think that's kind of the only way to be is to see both sides of – God being in the middle in this like floating area being like moment to moment how do I feel about God what am I doing if I love women uh, or these different addictions that doesn't uh, exclude me from also craving some sort of God thing Uh, hopefully I'd put it more eloquently to him if I ever got the chance but I'm wondering where you're at Um, I'm not religious at all do you believe in anything um, no, not really. I just kind of just feel like you should just be a good person and, you know, things D- fall into place. Dead I, over? Dead over? I don't, I don't know. I don't ever think about it. I envy you. 
<laughs> I, I do. I, I mean, I guess it's like stand-up. It's like I, I don't really think about all these other things. I just think about, oh, do good work. And two months ahead. Or, but even that is just, that's just do good work for the next couple of months. Work if, on stuff to, the same way just, just as a person. It's like, oh, just be, be a nice person. Be good. Be good to your friends and your family and right. just do that. And as far as like what happens when you die and stuff, it's like, I don't know. Why waste time thinking about it? Whatever happens, happens. Because a lot of the major religions would have you believe that there's a good one and a bad one. <laughs> There's, there's oh, I mean, happen. okay, like, if there's, like, a hell or something, if yeah. there's, like, a, a heaven and a hell, like, you know, I don't know. I feel like I would just, like, reason with the guy. I'd be like, come on, man. I've been a good dude. Wait, you really going to put me in hell? With these people, like, like murder people and shit? Yeah. Come on. <laughs> you're going you're gonna to grease the, uh, the mater be I mean, hey, of what, heaven? I mean, what, you, you, you see what I was presented with? Like, what, you think I would, uh, you, you wouldn't be skeptical at all? Right. I love that argument, which is the brain that I was given and the life that I was given led me to believe that there wasn't necessarily that sort of God. Yeah, if you're a reasonable person, I think you can you can uh, you can get away with not being a religious person and being a little skeptical of of religion. Yeah, but I but if I told you, God forbid, that's the that's that commonplace superstition. God forbid, like it's going to happen if I don't say that. But let's say I told you that. this was your last night and you're going to die. You're not going to wake up. You're going to die in your sleep tonight. Would you, I know that's even weird to say. I'm just saying if some doctor told you you were going to die, you had a week to live, we're on the last day and it's looking like you're going to pass, you wouldn't have – or how I'm going to assume you're going to have some anxiety about what's going to happen when you die. Yeah, I mean I guess so. And uh, But I, yeah, I don't think I'd be like, all right, cool. I mean, obviously right, but you wouldn't. You whatever, also wouldn't be. Like, I wouldn't become a super spiritual person right away. I don't think you wouldn't like repent or or, or double down, hedge your bets, find out which religion. A lot of religions have Jesus. You got Mormon Jesus, Catholic. Protestant. I mean, I guess you'd have to put your money on Jesus. Yeah, I mean that's a pretty good one. <laughs> I mean, the dude's whole thing is forgiving. <laughs> I mean, right, <laughs> but I mean, if you are going to side with a religion, you, you, it, it does make more sense to side with one that has a hell. Uh, because if it, like a uh, Buddhist or um, then you're you're cool either way, <laughs> Jews or Hindus, all that sort of stuff, not necessarily having like an eternal torment, flaming hell. So you should pick one of the religions that will save you, give you afterlife insurance for that specific scenario. Uh, but I'm glad that you don't have fear. Do you believe in some sort of uh, like coincidence or coincidences? Just coincidences. Do you believe in any interconnectivity between human consciousness? People thinking of you at the same moment you were thinking of them. You calling somebody calling you right before you called them, uh, stuff like that. Like you do meet a girl at Bed Bath and Beyond. Did God make that happen? Is that or not God? Like a man in the I sky. I think that's just the, the terrifying reality of, of of chance and probability and all that stuff. I, you know, like that happening is just like it's just mind boggling to me. But that's just like you know, when you have this world with all these people and stuff, things like that will happen eventually at, yeah. at certain points to certain, certain people. Yeah. So it is just coincidence. I think so, yeah. Ah, yawning as he says it. No. No, I love that. I thought th- that was it's such a heavy topic to just casually no, answer it. I love it. Well, that, that satisfies me. Well, how long was this? We've been going long lately. Oh, boy. So you, you would have let down to like an hour? Or? No, no, no. Did you keep it at two hours? Yeah. Two I'm, hours? 220. <laughs> That's so long. <laughs> Why don't we end on a lighter note? What's what's a cocktail that you've been enjoying cocktail? making? I just started making this one that um this 
uh, bartender uh, in West Hollywood um, served me. It's called a Sad Bastard. It's uh, that sounds like a Chinese restaurant. One is it rum? What is it a rum drink? No, a lot of um, those like suffering bastards. It's uh, gin, bourbon, ginger, lime juice, soda, bitters, and it's it's a very good wintry drink. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Well, look up uh, Sad Bastard on uh, Aziz'sBoard.com. I'm just kidding. Like, I like, <laughs> you, like, you're, like you're going you're gonna to put it on there. Oh my That's God. another funny example of how you don't think things out as much as I think you think them out. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, Aziz is bored. Aziz is bored. Wait, you told me that. And I was like, uh, did you tell me it that? It wasn't was me. Like, you told me that someone else told you that it's like yeah, Aziz someone, is bored. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my roommate at the time told me that. And I was like, oh, yeah. I didn't think about it like that. I Jesus just wrote Aziz is bored on my uh, notebooks when I was a kid all the time. This is... You know, this has been really, really good. This is like the Gerard Carmichael one in that, like, your attitude of just doing good work, keeping your head down, and and having the overall goal of do good stuff that you yourself are proud of, that your inner compass and points you to. And be nice to people. That's the Bill Burr thing. Don't be a dick and keep your head down. Yeah. Fucking All the stuff man. you're talking about, like, oh, sitting in a corner complaining about some guy getting a ride up or something. Like, yeah. Anyone that's any good, have you ever seen them? You ever seen Bill Burr do that? You ever seen right. Louis do that? You ever right. see like, you know, right? Anybody do what your heroes are doing, and none of them are doing that. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is great, man. Uh, I I don't know if you know this is coming, but everybody uh, says we. I asked the guests to say keep it crispy at the end. I do. I, yeah, I listen to. <laughs> I I don't listen to a ton of podcasts because you know so many of them. It's just like. You know, it's like people, it's like all of us. That you know. All, yeah, so it's like, all, like I was listening to the one, I listened to one because I knew I was doing yours, so I listened to the one one episode, I was the one that Zach did, Yeah. and uh, it was really good, and I really enjoyed it, but oh, it was cool, just man. so funny because it's like, I mean, some of the stuff we're talking about is a little bit more heavier, but like a lot of the stuff, you know, we'll just have conversations about with other comedians and stuff, sure. and so when you listen to these podcasts, it's almost like, just like listen to a conversation your friends are having, and right. that just seems kind of weird. But it's, like it's also interesting. It's like because <laughs> you do hear stuff. Yeah, it's like brunch or whatever. But like, yeah, when I was listening to the one with you and Zach, like there was something where like I almost like chimed in out loud because <laughs> it wouldn't be absurd for the three of us to be right. having a conversation. Right, right. But it's this interesting because like some of them, like you know, Marin's thing, where it's like, oh, like like I listened to the Kevin Hart one, and it's like I know Kevin. And we're friendly, but I've never sat down and been like, so Kevin, like, how did right. you start? Like, all this stuff. And, it, and it's always really fascinating. Right. Like, even you, I know, like, okay, like, you came from Chicago, and then you came to New York, and then you right. came to L.A. But that, I just know, like, very broad strokes. But this is, even though you and I have hung out socially many, many dozens of times, this is, and we've said this on the show, this is the longest we've ever talked nonstop. Oh, yeah. Just you and I. And I love having an excuse in our world to be like, if I, it would be pretty weird if I was like, Aziz, we'll sit down for two hours let's and chat. Let's just sit across from each other, making eye contact. It's like this huge need that a lot of people don't have met. Con- honest conversation where you're not judged, where you're looking at somebody directly, laughing. Not jumping on your phone every five minutes. My, I don't know what's happening on my phone. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that we did it. No, this episode yeah. reminds me of Zach. It's a little more, I'm not as manic. It's laid back. We're in your house. We were in his house. And uh, and I really loved it. So I'm very glad that you took the time in. It's and so again, fun. I'm glad to, to do it. Not to end weird, but really I'm proud of you, man. I'm oh, so excited for you. Thanks. Happy to see where it's going to go. And you as well. Great podcast. Thanks, Congrats man. on all these shows and stuff yeah. you're doing. It's really cool. You did my pilot, by the way, which I still remain very grateful oh, for. Yeah. Fingers crossed we have good hopes, uh, high hopes. And, and when, we were, when I was doing my talk show pilot, Aziz uh, was gracious. You with saw that drawing? 
I still have the drawing. It was up on Pretty the wall. Awesome. That was a he did a one one no <laughs> a no look no portrait. portrait. And I'm I have no like artistic skill really. And you but it was just funny. It. Some, somehow somehow looked, somehow it looked very on point. It looked like a, a, a scribble. But see, you ask ten people, ten out of ten people would be like, "That's Pete." If they knew me, yeah, something it was pretty about weird. It. You something, it. something. I still I have it. Of course, I still have it. Yeah. So throw us a keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, man. This is awesome. Cool. Thanks. Yeah, dude. Now leaving Nerdist.com.